Hello, everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. I will be your host, Ben Moore. Today, I am joined by Mr. Michael Huber. Yo. And the suave Michael Damiani. Mike and Mike. Yo. <laughs> Destiny 2. Ready to draw? You got a haircut, Damiani? Huh? Good, I, had, I, I, I shaved the sides of my hair and then oh, nice. I cut the, the front. So it doesn't look right. It is the weirdest my hair. To it's me, really it looks good. really weird. But yeah, I was better I'm than shaving scared. the top. I just did a shave up the side with like a higher gu- uh, guard and then a lower guard. And then I just took scissors and watched a video and just cut the front of my hair. And then it's like too long and like the it's like really short here. And then it's like too long here. It like it's. You you can't tell because you're not seeing the top of my head with this with this padding it down. <laughs> so this is the trick. The head the headset is covering up my mistakes. So nice. pretty good. Excellent. Uh, so with it being the very very last day of July that we're recording this, it's hot. It's sticky. Real hot. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess it's not really sticky. Humidity is not much of, of a thing here as it is in the Midwest. But how are you guys handling the heat? I can't handle the heat. I can't so you handle it? Do you have no. central air, Huber, or do you just have like a machine, like on so the window? I have I have central air in this building, but it like co- it costs money, obviously, to run the AC, oh. so I try not to do it. Uh, only in dire circumstances, if it's like 100 degrees, I'll put it on for like 20 minutes to try to cool it down. But usually I just have this big old fan here that I try to... Just sit is next that one to, of those tall tower ones? Yeah. Is that from, uh, uh, what's it called, that store that went out of business? Uh, so Beth accidentally ordered it, and I, I tell her it's the greatest mistake she's ever made. She Like, it just showed up at our house one day. She was like, oh, whoops. I think I accidentally added that to, the, like, the, the inbox or whatever, the Amazon cart. Yeah. And I was like, yes. It's like, this is the best accident ever. And you just got a sweet fan out of the deal. <laughs> yeah. So do you have to shut off the fan when you're recording Frame Trap? Yes. Sometimes I'll, like, mute my microphone and blast myself for, like, a minute or two <laughs> to, when I really start dripping. Gotcha. But, yeah. You're suffering for your art. <laughs> this is why we got to get you an RTX, Huber, so you can use I RTX know. voice. Yeah. That uh, is, the, seriously, that's one of the, like, best things about RTX that I was, like, didn't even think was a thing until you guys have been using it and hyping it up so much, mm-hmm. just how good it is for audio. I thought, you know, I only think about video games, obviously, when it comes to graphics cards. I had no idea that the utility was there. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, I, I get. I got a little bit nervous because it. We, we were talking about this before the show, but it was like distorting the beginning of sentences, and I'm not sure if that's just something that I need to fiddle with or is a problem with RTX voice or what's going on. So it makes me a little bit nervous, but uh, <laughs> yeah. It is a cool, it's a cool thing, for sure. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, Damiani, so last episode, I got to talk about the beginning of my time with Paper Mario the Origami King. I know you've been playing it a little bit. I've actually gotten further, and I have a lot to say about it as well. But uh, to get things started, tell me about how you're feeling about the new Paper Mario. Oh, I'm a, so... This, <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, I gotta start off, but it was really hard to ignore a lot of the discourse out there. Um, following Nintendo news, you just get a vibe, and there were so many different opinions on this game. So I was trying to just 
chill that out while I was playing this. And like most of the other Paper Mario games, uh, Color Splash and uh, Sticker Star I'm going to refer to, um, I actually didn't think those games were horrible. I enjoyed them. Mm. But this one, to me, so far, is much better than either of those two games. I'm really liking... The odd thing is, outside of boss battles, and even in some boss battles, the the battle system is probably maybe my least favorite thing in the game. I'm Mm. loving so much. Everything else about this game, I actually really like a lot. Mm. Yeah, um... I, I do want to talk about the boss battles, or not just the boss battles, the battle system, but particularly the boss battles. Um, I don't know how far you are in the game, but the last episode of Frame Trap, where I was at, uh, I was enjoying it, but I felt like it didn't really have teeth, for, for a better way of saying it. Uh, it was just very cute and charming and pleasant, um, and I was having a good time. But since then, particularly once you get to the second area... The design of it's a Shogun amusement park, and it's so open, and there's so many things to do, so many fun things to find, not just in terms of collectibles, but like things that you can participate in. Uh, that I was really having a blast, and I was like, This is incredibly well designed. Um, and that that is kind of okay, nice. That is kind of carried true. Uh, in the next area as well, where it's just a lot more open and, and way more things to discover. Um, so you mentioned the battle system being your least favorite part. What is it, I think, in particular? Is it just the puzzle solving that is getting like, no, tedious actually, for you? it's not that. Uh, okay. I, I actually don't get angry when I don't solve the puzzle part. I actually don't care too much about if I mess up, like, whatever. I'll just... I'll, I'll, I'll just deal with it, and I, I don't get too worked up. I, I'm I'm swimming in coins right now. I could just cheese everything if I want. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'd burn through it. I feel like I have too many coins right now. Yeah. Uh, I've spent – I bought triples of every, like, weapon I can think – that I have access to just to, like, you know, hunker down and have all that, you know, backups to go. It's mostly that doesn't really – it doesn't really diversify. Mm-hmm. Um, through, through two – I'm at the end of the Shogun Studios stuff. I just – did the thing that's gonna bring me into the, I think the the boss the boss fight of that part and I'm I'm just kind of curious if it's gonna pick up and throw new things into the mix outside of boss encounters because that's where I think I'm I'm having the most fun is trying to figure out those the, the actual puzzle of that and different ways yeah. to maybe like attack and what's the weakness they're just so remedial. And they're, they take so long. Sometimes they take so long, especially when they're the wave versions of them. I just would rather have tra- old, like, traditional style, turn-based, just go, just go. Get me through this stuff. It's not adding anything meaningful to me at this point. And I dread going through four more plus chat, whatever, how many chapters left, of going through this again and again. Because it feels like it's slowing the pace down so much. And these are big zones. We're talking about there's so much to do. It feels yeah. so open. Mm-hmm. I don't really need this. It, mm-hmm. it seems excessive. Do you get XP for beating battles? There's no, no. XP no. at there's all in the game. Level yeah. You just get coins, but you're swimming in coins. So the, get- way, the way that it yeah. works, Huber, is coins are sort of... <clears throat> your currency for everything. So in battle, if you need some assistance, you can spend coins and the more coins that you spend, the more toads will help you out. So they might heal you. They might line up some of the puzzle for you. Uh, they'll do a little bit of damage to the enemy. So that's a, like a resource that you can use. You spend coins to get accessories that can help you in battle. So you can increase the time that you have to solve the puzzles in battle because that's what you're doing. You're sliding things around to try to do extra damage to enemies. Um, 
And yeah, you buy items and weapons. So like there are spike enemies and you can't just jump on them with your regular boots. And so you need, you know, iron boots to jump on them mm-hmm. and to buy those weapons cost money or you can find them sometimes in the world. Uh, but those break. And so it's like a recurring cost. But I, I agree with Damiani's point, And I think that the thing that's a little bit disappointing and it's, it's tough because I think the puzzle element is actually really cool and gives this game a unique identity, not only in terms of other RPGs, but even among other paper Mario games. I think the thing that's frustrating is that I kind of reached a point where I was like, it doesn't really even matter if I succeed in the puzzle or not. Like I have so many mushrooms, so many outs, so many coins that I can just kind of get out of it. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. On one hand, I think that's good. Cause I've talked to people that are like, Oh man, the time for the puzzles really stresses me out. And so I just, you can get this thing that just solves the puzzles for you if you want to do that. And on one hand, I kind of appreciate that option that that option is there for people who don't want to engage in it. But I think it's kind of a problem if like there's not a strong punishment for failing at kind of one of your core mechanics, I guess. It's I was going to say, that's why I love options in games. Like, mm-hmm. give me a, a, dr- a draconic modifier, you know? Because Dragon Quest Eleven, same thing. It's like, all right, on normal, you can, like, breeze through the combat, like, mm-hmm. whatever, fine. But then if you want the extra challenge, you can turn on those modifiers. So, like, there's no there's no hard mode or anything in Paper Mario. It's just a one-off difficulty. It's just so frustrating. I mean, I haven't been in the game, so I don't know if it evolves beyond this. But in, in these regular battles, Huber... There's always one of two solutions. Line up the enemies <laughs> four deep or have them side by side, two by two, and line, jump on them, two by two, hammer them. And I would like to see more variation <laughs> to that. I mean, yeah. maybe you have to make the enemies making them wave pattern or I, I know it's uh, – I'm thinking of other games. Um, it didn't come out here, but uh, Nino Kuni for DS actually had a thing about arranging your characters – uh, on, posi- uh, on 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 a grid basically, and he had to figure out like it's not so puzzly as this, but the way you arrange characters would either buff attacks and buff your defensive stuff as well, and also trigger unique attacks based on your formation. And there's not quite that level of depth here. And this is it, it's becoming oh I see how many turns I have to solve the puzzle. I already know what I'm doing. I'm like oh it's easily going to be to push like slide them up or down or this is a ring one. It, it's just becoming too predictable. And mm-hmm. I, and outside of the boss battles which we haven't talked about, I'm not feeling incentivized to really do anything other than just brute force at this point. I don't feel any gratification through the battle system anymore. And that's um, pretty early into the game. Huber. Uh, you were talking about options and Ghost of Tsushima. We'll, we'll talk about this more when we get to this that section of the podcast. But Ghost of Tsushima just added a lethal difficulty. And I was playing it before the show. And it really addresses a lot of my issues with Ghost of Tsushima because it just makes everything more valuable. It makes resources more valuable. Before, I felt like I was just swimming in options and all of them were extremely strong. Whereas here, I feel like I need them more because damage is just so much more extreme uh, than it was in even the hard difficulty. Um, And it's nice that you can just switch that on the fly, right? Like, I don't have to boot up a brand new game to do that. I can just go into options and put that there. And so uh, it's really an excellent addition and solution uh, to feeling overpowered, right? Totally. Um, 
But the boss battles, I actually want to talk about the boss battles because you were talking about um, more variety. And Damiani, uh, where you're at in the game, it actually does get a little bit better. Um, there are some enemies that throw some kind of fun modifiers into the puzzle solving. Uh, and I don't, I don't really want to give them away because they're kind of fun to discover on your own. But uh, the variety does improve. And the boss battles, I do, I like and dislike uh, that the boss battles are like, okay, we're going to do kind of unique mechanics specific to this fight. So when you fight a boss, you still have to like line up arrows and find your way to the boss and do damage. But when they're vulnerable and, you know, how you respond to their attacks is so far pretty much entirely unique to that boss, which I really, really, really like. The only yeah, point where where it's become a problem is I was fighting this uh, firebird last night and the way I got through it didn't feel great. It didn't feel like I was really utilizing strategy or making like great risks versus reward. It was just, you have to beat this boss. You have to know the trick to beat this boss. And then once you know it, you'll be, it'll be trivial. And so I think, I think that design is a little bit frustrating where it's kind of all or nothing. It's not like degrees of it. It's like, you, you know, the gimmick or you don't. Um, and at the same time, like I'm, I am glad that they're, they're trying to be so unique with the bosses, but sometimes it feels like a little bit too gimmicky for its own good. I guess it w I would say where it's not necessarily like, Oh, this boss is a nice progression of everything I've learned up to this point. It's just like, Oh, it's just a random mechanic that when you know it, you won't struggle at all. And if you don't know it, you'll probably just trial and error until you do, which is kind of a weird middle ground, I would say. Yeah, or not I mean, a middle ground, but thing design decision. That sounds yeah. That sounds unfortunate that it's either all or none. Yeah, uh, especially in that fight you just did, which I'm assuming is the fight that's coming up for me or one of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, it's nice when fights actually either are a culmination of things you've been teased throughout the previous area. Hey, maybe you should use these things at these times, and if there's familiar visuals, cues, whatever, it says, oh, I remember that. I, I feel good about this. Or through the course of the battle, you at least even you, you feel like you have a chance and that something is kind of leading you along to draw the natural conclusion versus just raw trial and error. I'm not, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm usually not a fan of trial and error when it goes to that extreme either. Yeah. Um, Damiani, I don't think you're quite there yet, but uh, one of my complaints on the last episode was that Origami King is very delightful. It's very funny. It's 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 very clever and cute. There are a lot of things where you'll go like, oh, that I see what you did there. That's that's awesome. But I wasn't feeling the emotional connection the way that I did to some of the characters in, say, Thousand Year Door, which I think has phenomenal characters. Origami King actually gets to that point. Wait, in what? A, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it, okay. It kind of... <laughs> it comes in a way that I was not... Expecting, and unfortunately, I did have a moment ruined for me. But I, I still think that it does kind of build up this emotional core between some of its characters in ways that it doesn't sort of let on in the beginning. Um, and I am a lot more invested now than I was at the beginning the last time that I talked about it. That's good to hear because the Babam character, and yeah. as much as they're trying with Olivia, it's not quite 
I'm not feeling any connection. In fact, the the narrative for me just serves as you know set dressing for yeah. the the atmosphere and what my what I'm actually the context of what I'm doing. I don't feel invested in that. The worlds are doing the environments are doing such a good job for me that that's keeping me hooked. But I feel like if any of those environments falter, if, if the story doesn't kick in, but it's good to hear that. Yeah, it's it gets there. What's that? How's Bowser? Um. So Bowser is is featured pretty prominently in the beginning, and I haven't seen him mm. since. I assume he'll come back in. <coughs> pretty sure he comes nice. back in. Um, yeah, I remember seeing him like folded out. Yeah, as the like yeah. He's been comes. gone for a while. Yeah, yeah, Huber, yeah. haven't seen him. Yeah. Triumphant return. So <laughs> I don't know if he did this, Ben. So I don't want to say too much if he didn't do this. Yeah, but there was a certain point in the second area. Or I abandoned going forward, progressing in that second streamer area, mm-hmm. and went somewhere else and started progressing in another area. Hmm. It, I did hit a roadblock, but it did allow me to progress a little bit in that environment, and I got to see some like a, a mechanic I hadn't seen yet oh, uh, about cool. exploration, and I had a type of battle that I had not had anywhere else outside of boss battles and or remedial battles, hmm. and I really liked that, and I hope. I think I spoiled myself because I, uh, I was gleaming a, uh, a person who does not exist stream, um, and they were at a certain boss battle, mm. and when I just dropped in, I was like, oops, uh, I should get out of here, and I saw what he was doing, and now that I've done an area, I was like, okay, this might be a thing, so I'm hoping this thing is a little bit more present um, in, in some form in the later stream areas, because I got a sense it's more open. Um, and you get to choose your path a little bit more. It, it, your objectives and way, the way you want to tackle them get a little bit more less linear at that point, and it kind of seemed intriguing. Yeah, um, it definitely gets less linear. Like you have, you have a lot of, uh, like in the third area where I am now, um, you get a lot of room to explore and just kind of find secrets, and then you get another character who will find you even more secrets, and so it's really opening up in a pretty fantastic way. Um, the other thing that I would say that I really like about it, and I think kind of speaks to the Mario RPG, Paper Mario kind of hallmark that I love so much, is you'll do a lot of battles that are not RPG battles, um, that are just purely action-focused. There yeah, are... That's what I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you'll, okay. Do, you'll do things where you just have to run and jump and hit. Um, or you'll be like on a boat and you have to dodge rocks and logs and get coins and all this stuff. And so every area that I'm going to, they're really pushing themselves to be like, okay, here's a brand new thing. Here's this shuriken mini game that you can get involved in. Yeah. Um, and there's just like, they're really cramming a lot in there and it's full of ideas. And I, I think that is really, really, really excellent. Um, I, yeah, I totally agree, Ben. That That's what I'm enjoying so much. Mm-hmm. I, I almost don't even care if the battle system gets any better. Mm-hmm. I, I, as long as I keep throwing this type of stuff at me, I'm going to be satisfied. These, throw these mini games, throw the, these incentives to explore. I, 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 I prefer and enjoy this more. When it's done as well as it's being done here, I, I easily can overlook some of the other stuff. I know it's a, it can end up being a disappointment, but it does sound like what you said. Some of the stuff does get better even in the short term after where I'm at. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in the, in the classic like Nintendo problem way, it, it sort of takes a while for the really, really, really excellent stuff to show itself. But once it does, um, it's been pretty consistent so far. I hope that continues the rest of the game, right? Not done yet. 
But uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying my time. I know, I know there has been kind of some backlash against Origami King just because it's not <laughs> more well because it's not more of a traditional RPG. And I think yeah. people who like you know love Thousand Year Door understandably want to see kind of a return to form of that. But Origami mm. King has really surprised me. Um, I, I was kind of you know semi positive to lukewarm about it initially, but. The more I play it, the more I'm like, no, I, I really think this is this is pretty good. Um, in a lot of ways, it's very different. You know, it's it's definitely not Thousand Year Door two. But, Step up uh, from the last couple, though. I assume, right? Yeah, I I played some of Color Splash, but to be honest with you, I barely remember my time with it, which is probably telling there, right? <laughs> like that probably says enough mm-hmm. on its own. But uh, yeah, definitely enjoy it more than Sticker Star or Paper Jam for sure. Um, but what was the one on Wii? Super, Super Paper, Paper Mario. Mario. Yeah, that one was okay. I remember. I uh, didn't didn't love Super Paper Mario. I would love to revisit yeah. it because they're definitely huge defenders of Super Paper nice. Mario. But yeah, that yeah, one didn't it didn't click with me. Uh, we were teasing it earlier, but I want to get your guys' takes on Ghost of Tsushima. Hype! Just platinum dip, Ben. Nice, dude. Nice, Huber. This is one of my favorite games ever. <laughs> I love this game. So, Holy shit! So, so good. Again, just as we were praising Paper Mario, it does so many things well that I care the most about. Mm-hmm. That I can play this game. I'm taking my time with this game, and I'm like yes. savoring every minute. And I'm like you, Ben. Uh, yesterday I cranked it up to lethal mm-hmm. and played uh, my session on lethal and I think that was one of my complaints is that uh, combat's fun it's very satisfying uh, sorry let me say uh, immediate gratification in terms of uh, the visceral kills and stuff like that it just looks really cool but at the same time you can, you I was getting away with like I can kind of like cheese by mashing block enough in a window and it counts mm-hmm. as a parry whereas lethal it, it's great because things go so much faster. Enemies die faster. You you get one shot, but also on the boss t- uh, boss encounters, like the yeah. duels, like the, the yeah, those go faster too, and they're so intense. Uh, yeah. The I fought one of the the blue icon type battle ones for the special ability, and it's the one with the 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 dash one, the the, the that that, that mm-hmm. anime looking move. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that move is amazing. By the way, that movie's but broken. But them using oh my gosh, it yeah, yeah, like, it looks great. I, I, I like it. I feel like at points I get in over my head and I have to back off. Yeah. It's just it gets like, okay, shit. Too many, there's too many people around me. I don't like this. I don't like this. I feel the tension. I fear, I feel fear. So I greatly appreciate the addition of this lethal mode. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I played through all the way near because the patch just came out and I was like pretty much just going through to get the platinum. So then I pumped it up to lethal. But I played through the whole game on hard. And in the early few hours, it was the best. Yes. Because you're underpowered, you have to block, you have to parry, you really have to, you know, you can die so fast, you don't have that much health. And then over time, open world style, you just get so OP. Mm-hmm. I still appreciated throughout, like, even when I was so OP, like, you could die really fast, like, if you weren't paying attention and, like, they, they take you out and you miss a few blocks and you, you get taken out. Right. But then, yeah, near the very end, like, when I was just wrapping up the Platinum and putting it on lethal. So awesome. Right. Just just having to do the parries again and, and blocking is is so sick. Um, The 
it's it's funny because stealth without lethal difficulty, I feel like was was too much, right? Where like I already felt very powerful in mm-hmm. combat already, and I felt like I had too many tools that just completely trivial. Like smoke bombs can just completely trivialize fights. Kunai, dude, kunai, so yeah. kunai, kunai are ridiculous. But with lethal difficulty, because you're so much more vulnerable, stealth doesn't feel like yet another totally powerful option. It's like, oh no, I need to like thin their ranks so I don't have as many guys capable of one or two shotting me, um, which is really, really nice. Uh, and I never stealthed until like the last bit of really? the game. <laughs> like ever. Yeah. I would just do showdown every time. Yep. Go in, walk in the front door. Come on out. Like I, Cause like one, I, I just didn't think the stealth was that fun. Uh, it's, it's my, I least favorite part of the game like mm. I, I think it's a, i think it's Same. fine it's serviceable yeah uh i just don't enjoy doing it and the rp of being the samurai like not rejecting your your ways uh was was just epic so huber my my <laughs> wish kind of for the game and they they sort of lean into this is i thought for a second that that was going to be more of a choice because mm-hmm. when you sort of betray your samurai ways Mm-hmm. you get this moment where he's thinking about everything that his uncle taught him. And I was like, oh, like, the more that I stealth kill, am I going to, like... I thought the same thing. I ben. was freaking out about yeah. that. Yeah, and I was like... Yes. Me too. I'm like, I'm never yes. doing stealth again. Yeah. Right, right. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I actually... They they don't do that, right? Like, they don't go that direction. Yeah. Um, I do think the story ultimately ends up going in a very interesting way. And I was super happy with the resolution, but when that moment happened, I got really excited and would love yeah. to see, cause I think that's such a good idea, right? Where you have this really powerful way of dealing with enemies, but it's totally. dishonorable and the game is responding to it. I just thought that that was a cool idea. Um, Same. And even removed from that, right? Even though they don't really warp the story around it, I do think it is kind of a neat moment when your character is like, wait, what am I doing? Do I want to do this? That questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of reinforce that in different ways throughout the story. And I, I like that. I like, you know, not just being like, oh, you this gin is just pure. It's like, no, gin just has a point of view. And he's sticking to mm-hmm. that. And that comes into conflict with other points of view, which is cool. Yeah. So, I'm not, I'm I only, loved. Yeah, go ahead. Don't I'm, only in an act, I'm only in early in act two for, mm-hmm. for, for mindset. But yeah, I felt that in when uh, when you return back to your hometown and you can't encounter a character and you ask them to do something for you. That's where I felt the the the, yeah, the conflict about mm-hmm. your principles like that hit. I mean, he, obviously, you talked about the flashbacks, but this moment, I was just like, ooh, he's just like at it, acting so matter of fact about it and seeing the NPCs' reactions about how he's changed. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to feel it a little mm-hmm. bit. I also really loved the dialogue choices. I know it doesn't impact the game that much, like if at all, but just being able to pick some, pick a, between a choice, like react to a character a different way. Uh, I just really like that stuff. Just, it's such a simple thing, but yeah. it really made me, inhabit Jin even more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think some of the stories that they tell with some of the characters are great. Um, mm-hmm. there, were, there are some that are really engaging, really moving. Um, something that I do wish, and I'd be curious to get both of your thoughts on this, that they did a little bit more is uh, 
<clears throat> there are a couple of points. It's a couple or just one. It's not very many, but there's there's at least one moment in the game where you have to like get through an area and you don't have any weapons. And it's like, oh, I, I have to think about this differently. Like I have to just carefully stealth through. I wish there were more kind of modifiers to missions like that or more sure. distinct missions. It felt like a lot of times where it's like we're rolling up on a Mongol camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can stand Take off or out. sneak, right? Yeah. And it's, totally. you know, the camps are a little bit different and the way the enemies are placed is a little bit different. It's not literally exactly the same, but I did kind of wish for more variation uh, within the missions. Absolutely. The main missions specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just a couple more, maybe like more set piece style things. I don't sure. know. But uh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, there. I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I, every single one of those missions start out follow so and so. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I like, hey, we don't start. When is there gonna be a mission where I'm not walking, following somebody, or <laughs> leading somebody at the very start? When am I gonna get that? And it's, it, 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 yeah, I agree with that. I think I'm getting so far from where I'm at. I'm getting my fix through the the shrine stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if if a story missions aren't giving me enough variety, but at least the 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 writing and the uh, the story that I'm hearing is, or listening to is good enough that it's compensating for maybe the repetitive nature of what your activities are. Mm-hmm. I like how at least in the order I've been doing the shrines, the the puzzle platforming type thing that you are so doing. I just did ones. one where it was very flat. And it was more of like an actual maze where I was like, it's not that high. I'm just going to climb. Oh, wait, I can't climb. Oh, I'm going in this tall grass around like these tight corridors. And how do I get up there? I got so lost at points. And then I like that. They just threw a different loop at me each time. And I, I, I hope they keep evolving like that because those are some of my favorite things. Because they involve just platforming and figuring out where to go. And I love just figuring out or seeing where I can go in this game because... There's yeah. some impressive geography, and it just looks so damn good. Oh my gosh, this <laughs> yeah. game! Dude, Holy crap! I can't it's one of my favorite it. open worlds ever, mm-hmm. ever to just run around in, to just be in. Yeah, it's so pleasant. It's so beautiful. I like how like different the three areas are. Damian, I know you haven't been to the third one. Uh, the second one's like a little different, and then the third one just feels like a lot different than obviously the first one. Just the use of color everywhere. It's just like so many times I just stop, take a breath and just enjoy, you know, just staring out at a view, just sitting there, just enjoying it. Huber, I think you're you're absolutely right. And I think Ghost of Tsushima makes me realize like we're probably a little bit too forgiving with video game areas because from act <laughs> one to act two to act three and all of the different <laughs> corners of the map, like you, you nailed it. The use of color is so distinct and dramatic in all of those areas. It's not like you yeah. go to a new area and you're like, oh, this is the same. It's not. It feels completely different. Um, mm-hmm. And it makes it that much more fun going after and chasing after things and doing those shrines, which also go out of their way to just visually be so different from everything else. Yeah. And just the way you explore, like the wind is freaking genius the way like a little question mark also if you're like running in a a new area it you'll and a question mark is near it'll pop up on the bottom of the screen to like kind of notify you like oh there's something around here Mm -hmm. i just am so used to so many open world games like just staring at my mini map sometimes i'm not even staring at the game i'm just staring at the mini map 
Like I remember playing Red Dead 2 and because of like the, the way auto aim and stuff works in that, I can remember like missions where you're shooting enemies just like looking at the mini map and just like aiming in the direction of red and just taking them out or just like following the mini map or, you know, just right. opening up the map. Like the game is so immediate. Ghost of Shima is so immediate. You're just like in the world. Yeah. I can't appre- say how much I appreciate the, the that choice that they elected for using the wind. I've seen mm-hmm. some people complain like, oh, it, it makes it too easy to figure out where to go. I mean, that's a whole different argument. I'm talking about like keeping your eyes on the screen instead of yes. looking at other things that you don't yes. take in the scenery. And so many games, that's a problem for them because they care more. I mean, it's an important problem they're trying to solve, but they care more about the end user experience of it's accessible. It's easy to figure out where to go. So we got to put up these like way markers or lines or whatever on a mini map. Just follow the mini map. Let's follow the mini map. We don't want to get lost because we don't get angry at our game. But in this game, there's so many times where you'd be on a path and you're just following the wind, and then you like because you're looking around like, whoa, what's this? I'm going no, I'm going over here. Sorry, wind. I'm going to check this out. And I, I I really like that and appreciate that. And again, going back to real quick to the the the, the visual the the colors they use. And maybe you said Ben about maybe being a little bit easier on other games before this. Yeah, I, I, I there. I mean, I have not played Horizon Zero Dawn, mm-hmm. and I've not played Red Dead Two, but I can't imagine aside from like a, maybe a technical level, those two games or any other game I've played of open world like Breath of the Wild, Death Stranding, they don't come close to the aesthetic that this game has. Like it, it's yeah. just Red Dead Two is really pretty, it and is? it's older. Okay. Yeah, okay. really. Dude, I've been game, on PC I, too. It's I, crazy. I feel like this is the pinnacle. I, I feel like no yeah. one, no one, nothing I've seen does it better than this. And the the view distance, right? So many games are foggy. That open that open world haze, you know, you can't really see far ahead. Yeah, I feel like you can see miles and miles and miles away in Tsushima, like so far away. Dude, yeah, really good. It's interesting doing points of comparison because when I was playing through Ghost of Tsushima, I was just like this. Reminds me so much of Assassin's Creed. So after I finished with Ghost of Tsushima, I booted up Assassin's Creed Odyssey again. And I have complaints about the Ghost of Tsushima combat. And I do think it could be better in some ways. I do think things could be balanced and tweaked a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I do think stealth could be reworked. But just comparing, like, not the stealth, but the the weapon combat in Assassin's yeah. Creed Odyssey to go to Shima. It's, like, it's, it's not even close. Like they mm-hmm. give you, no. they give you so like so much time and too much time in Odyssey to do parries. And the timing is so similar. Like fights just feel so identical. Mm-hmm. Whereas here with the stances, with the different enemy types, um, with the weapons and tools that you have, you have a lot more freedom and it takes more effort than something like Assassin's Creed, where it is very mashy. And when it's not mashy, it feels like you're just going up against this giant, you know, it's not a bullet sponge, yeah. but these really tanky enemies <laughs> yeah, that are just yeah. beating you because of numbers. And it's not yeah. nearly as engaging. So, yeah. Totally. Um, and, you know, to the point about... Uh, clutter and stuff i love that there's not this huge list of objectives on the side i love that there's not like they try as much and as hard as possible to get unnecessary things off of the screen and you're just staring at the world and that really does add a lot for sure yeah that's that's the best Mm -hmm. just the wind it's like such a simple thing but i just found myself thinking like 
man, I'm rarely out of the action. I'm really like looking at something else. I'm yeah. just like always riding in this world, walking, crawling, whatever you're doing. You're just always staring at the screen. It's awesome. Uh, speaking of immersion, though, you know, a lot of people complain about, <clears throat> say, Last of Us. Oh, and it's like, oh, the enemies can't see Ellie or it's ridiculous that, you know, this AI character didn't get attacked here. Something that <laughs> did annoy me in Ghost of Tsushima is there are times where you'll have AI go into battle with you and then they just like immediately down themselves as like, okay, well yeah. now I got to run over and res them. And that kind of babysitting, there has to be a better way. <laughs> like, Dude, Ben, there was one <laughs> main mission that I did that is really dramatic with a character mm. and we're like charging in and the character is like giving some epic speech, like, yo, let's go. And then he just downs. Yes. He's like, Jin hell. Yeah. He's just like dead there. Yep. And it was just like I, terrible like you, time you, for this character to go down. You wish you could just say something to them. Like, wait, hey, head over this way or don't do that or anything. And you can't. Yeah. You you have no control or ability to really influence them, but you're completely responsible for them and fail the mission if they die. And so, yeah, I think that could be <laughs> Tweaked a little bit, for yeah. sure. What? Even the enemy AI, I think, in some situations, mostly stealth situations, yeah. Oh, yeah. it can get really bad. Um, there's also some. I mean, there's some fun that can be had. Uh, go up, uh, go up a tower. Um, alert everyone. Go up a tower. Wait on that stair on that end of that ladder, and just kill everyone as they come up. I like definitely idiots. did that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just like really, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if for what they're doing, I, I, they can't get everything completely perfect on uh, a first attempt. I really liked all the customization options. Love the armor, all that stuff. Yeah. Was really bummed, and this is not because I don't like ranged filth, that you may think it is, but I was bummed you couldn't remove the bow and arrow or the arrows with the Ronin attire. It just mm. felt wrong. Walking around, I like, as so, I just want the, the straw hat and a sword that's it. I don't want this bow and arrow on my back because it's like warrior vibes, mm -hmm. you know, not like wandering lone samurai vibes. So I usually just stuck with the travelers and the samurai clan armor the most Man. until later you get like the awesome one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, I really love Huber speaking of <clears throat> the cosmetics, how dramatic the visual upgrades are for the armor. Mm -hmm. So if you find armor that you really like, like the Ronin armor is a good example, where you, you, you know, you're kind of like in this like broken little hat, but you upgrade it yeah. all the way and it's just this sweet straw hat that's entirely Sick. covering your face. And so, so it, visually it does a good job of representing your growth and power. And I think that's always awesome uh, as well. And, and, all of the color options, not just for mm -hmm. the armor, but how dramatically you can change the way like your sword looks. Um, it's cool that you can change your bow, that sort of stuff. That that is super yeah, appreciated. The flowers, the dyes. Yes. Love yeah. that. Yeah, like that cosmetic stuff is just out there as a, a reward for exploring. You know, following the mm -hmm. bird, you got a new hat, got a new sheath. Really cool. And also, yeah, and being able to change it too. The like change appearance of it. So like, I really like just the level one clan uh, samurai clan armor with like the rolled up sleeves. Mm -hmm. Versus, like, the big, like, so when I was in a huge battle, I would bust out, like, the helmet and yeah. everything. I love how but much you are running around during this game. Dude, yeah. so much yeah. RP. Yes. All in. So much RP. Dude, uh, shout-outs to those uh, fast travel loading times. 
What are they doing? Wizardry. I want to know what they're doing because it's insane. How are the load times that fast and the game looks this good and it's open world? It's nuts. It's absolutely insane. I mean, I I am on SSD on PS4, and so I'm sure that's part of it. Dude, I'm on regular Pro, man. I'm on regular Pro. Yeah, same thing. I can't imagine what they're going to do whatever they follow this up with on PS5. It's going to be like, not even, don't even need a loading screen. Just go, yeah. it just like fades into the area. Dissolve. <laughs> loading so fast you already beat the game when you purchase it. Um, Obviously loved a ton of the quests, but we'll get into all that story stuff on uh, spoiler, spoiler mode. mode. Yes. yes. Which we're recording yes. soon. Yes. Um, I guess the, the, to, to wrap up this conversation, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Sucker Punch because... <laughs> It's been pretty incredible seeing their growth from Sly to Infamous to uh, Ghost of Tsushima. And I I really admire any studio that doesn't just beat a horse to death, that gets an idea, really chases after it, really pushes themselves to bring something new uh, to the thing. You know, I have my complaints about Ghost of Tsushima, but... I, I love, just like with Horizon Zero Dawn, I love seeing developers grow and branch out and try different things. Yep. You, you, you nailed it, Ben. It's like, yeah, can complain about some things for sure. Yeah. But like the good and the, the jolly Tsushima Island cozy vibes far outweigh my criticisms. Like, yes, I have criticism of this game. But like this is going down as one of my absolute favorites of the generation. Like what a what a finale! It's to PS4. It's frustrating, Huber, because you know it, you kind of I think echoed uh, these sentiments when we were talking about The Last of Us Two, where it was like trying to have a conversation about this game is a, is a giant pain, and mm-hmm. I am feeling that now with Ghost of Tsushima, where it's like, yeah, I didn't like it at the beginning. I said that. I still have very strong complaints and things that could be improved, but my opinion changed over time. And sometimes it just feels like it has to be so divisive. Like, no, you can't change your opinion. You're either in or out. Don't put you. Don't put Ben in a box. Well, it's just. Damn it. I just don't think it's healthy for anybody. It's like, don't no. don't you want this to be an evolving conversation? Don't you want people to push back? Don't you want to challenge things? Like. I don't know. Totally. It's just very weird sometimes the dog pile. Because like I've been, I've been so critical of Avengers, Ben, but the last War Table they showed the mm-hmm. presentation. Yeah. Damiani was talking about it. I watched it. Like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm receptive. I'm ready to change my mind. It's like, right. you can change your mind. It's okay. It's, right. It's okay to change your opinion. <laughs> right. Right. And oh, I mean, really, all you can do, right, and the best thing that anybody can do is you have to be honest in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. But the moment also recognizes that things change. Yeah. But you shouldn't just, just because you said something initially doesn't mean you should stick to it if that's not how you feel anymore, right? That wouldn't make any totally. sense. But, um, Dude, petting the foxes, Ben. Enjoy petting the foxes. Like, give me a break how freaking cozy and jolly that is. Yes. Petting the foxes is delightful. I do think there were some times with the fox dens where I'm like, oh, man, I wish this kind of like went in a crazier direction. Like sometimes I would do a fox den and be like, oh, it's like 10 feet over this way. Like sometimes <laughs> true, they, were true, little, true. they were a little short, but uh, petting them. Yes. Delightful. Um, speaking of games and opinions changing, something we can all talk about. Destiny 2. 
Destiny 2. Expansion time. (laughs) Expansion check-in time coming Uh. up. (laughs) (laughs) I am so glad you guys are playing Destiny 2. This is amazing. Yeah. This is awesome. Uh, So to clarify for the audience, uh, Mike and Mike have been doing Destiny 2 streams. And uh, they've been doing that the last two or three weeks, I think. Um, And... Ever since the, so there's two, th- I am also playing Destiny 2, and I've been getting really, really into it for reasons yes. that I'm excited to get into, uh, because I've, I've had, <laughs> my feelings on Destiny have been a roller coaster since Destiny 1. <laughs> it's like love, hate, love, hate, love, hate, and it just bounces back and forth. But um, two things, <laughs> I think being disappointed in the Halo Infinite reveal like weirdly pushed me to destiny. <laughs> if that can make sense. That makes total sense. Uh, and also that little gameplay snippet they showed of beyond light. I think those mm. ice powers looked really cool. And I was like, yeah. you know, let's jump into this again. Uh, but before I kind of get into my opinions, I think playing together, right. Is obviously an excellent way to play destiny. Damiani, this is your first time, your oh, first God. experience Brand new. Yeah, with destiny at all. Right. Uh, how has it been as a new player? Uh, it's been, uh, I've had some, uh, Huber and some helpful members of our community, uh, carrying me on their shoulders just a little bit there. So they've made it a much, uh, smoother experience. I think it would be than maybe perhaps going solo. Uh, it is overly confusing that, for new players. So that's dude. what I was going to say. Holy shit. I am, I feel like I'm sometimes would be drowning in a ton of water. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have Huber and everyone else helping me figure things out or just straight up telling me, go here, go here, go here. It's it's a lot to take in. I wonder, though, if I was playing on my own, I'd be I could take it at an even slower pace. But even then, we've just been going through just the straight up story missions as they've been mm-hmm. presented. And it's just taking some time to get acclimated to how this game, how this game works. It's it's definitely clicking now and it's starting, it's starting to make more sense. It's just. Mm-hmm. I think it is a little bit intimidating for new players, but any type of game like this, I think that's going to be the hurdle you're going to have to get over. And yeah. uh, as, as you explained to me, Huber, they, they have done stuff to adjust for the new player experience. Like the first mission is actually a Destiny 1 mission. Yeah, so they added a Destiny 1 yeah, mission. But it's just, that. it's so confusing because you have to go to a vendor <laughs> in the bottom of the tower to pick up as an item, the campaign missions. Like, it's just overly complicated and and very vague. And and Damiani is like, what what should I even be doing at this point? Like, it needs needs a complete... It needs an absolute complete rework if it wants new players to jump in. Because, like... I thought they were going to do that because they, they, they took the step to make it free. Yeah. Like, the base campaign now is just free to play, hop in... But I feel like they need to go one step further the, and have a nice, easier trajectory. The layers, the MMO layers are so bullshit and so funny sometimes because <laughs> an example um, is I was getting these umbral engrams and I was like, what the hell do I do with these things? My inventory's full. It's yelling at me. I can't carry anymore. What do I do? I don't know what I do, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm not somebody that's, that was keeping up on all the Destiny news, right? Like, I was just trying to yeah. jump in and enjoy myself. And it's like, oh, I guess I need this machine. Okay, 
in order to activate this machine, I've got to do, <laughs> I've got to do this new public event that's way outside my level. But the internet says like, even if you can't do anything, just write it out because you got to do it to complete this quest. And then you'll activate <laughs> the machine. Okay, cool. I activated the machine. Wait, now I activated another machine that can refocus these umbral engrams and turn them into different things. And like, once once you get a hold of it, right, it's not that bad. But just that initial like, yes. what do I do? Is uh, no awful if it just feels bad it just feels bad and it's a hard thing i think i do have some sympathy with destiny where i do think they have tried i do think they have made strides and i think they will continue to do so and it's not it's not all bad um but as you said huber i don't know if they're quite cognizant of what it feels like to be completely fresh um Mm -hmm. something that i like that they've done is the way that they've kind of handled like okay you're you're in new light you're light level 750 there's so much you can do at that light level yeah. you're not just locked into you have to go through this specific campaign or you have to do this specific thing i love yeah. that they're like whatever you want to do do it you'll be able to make progress you'll be able to get gear i think that is very 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 smart and that's why i want a new player experience for Damiani and new players because like there's been no Excuse me. There's been no inclination or push for Damiani to do strikes, to do PvP. Mm-hmm. Like if they had a nice, do some story missions. Okay, now do a strike. See what this is all about. Now do some PvP. See what right. this is all about. Where it's just like, no. Yeah, like, I don't hop even in, under- hop in, grab whatever, do whatever. Sure. We're not going to tell you anything. I don't maybe. even understand why you even do PvP other for like gratification. Like, is there a gear ladder that you can earn gear from it, or some kind of currency you can like? It there's just so many systems. It might be a little bit unfair. It is a lot. It is confusing, but at the same time, I feel like after enough time, I might be better equipped to say, "Hey, I these things aren't that bad." Actually, I'm, I'm more yeah. familiar with them, Talk. and yeah, it's it's getting to that point. It's it's a unique situation I'm in is being back in like a such a multiplayer MMO style heavy game from the beginning and trying to figure things out. How much of a hurdle that is, and, and how much you have to invest time wise. To get to a point where I feel competent enough that I get the basic churn of this game. And I'm still not quite there. I'm, I, I'm, I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But there's you've talked about things we haven't even done yet. Um, mm-hmm. And the one whatever exotic we did, I wasn't even like high enough level. You, just, you, just, you two ran through and just did it for me. And I was like walking behind <laughs> enjoying the sight. So it's like, yeah. I mean, I know I mean, I mean, know getting carried and stuff like, yeah, that that's fine. But Part of it. Part at the, of the same experience. time, yeah, eventually I'll get to that light level and be able to do it myself. So seeing seeing everything that's being thrown at me, it is a lot to digest. <laughs> yeah, like something MMOs do really well, like World of Warcraft and 14 mm. is like, all right, you're level one. We're dropping you in this zone. Yeah. Go do some quests in this zone. Like, there's not much more to it than that. Yeah. Where this is like, all right, you're in the tower. You can do the entire, like, anything. Like, go anywhere, do anything. Where it's just like, wait, I need a little bit of direction. To, a little the, bit of focus. To counter yeah, that, Huber, Huber um, as a returning player, the freedom has been really, really nice. Where it's like, totally, okay, totally. up until light mm. level, you know, light level a thousand, you can totally. do anything and you'll progress. I've really enjoyed that because I was like, well, I just really want to get into the campaigns. I want to see what what's mm-hmm. going on, you know, with the campaign Absolutely. story sense. And so I did that. And then I'm like, oh, I've never checked out Gambit. I'm gonna do that. Or I, I, I want to spend a night doing strikes. Or you know what? I feel like PvP. I like that. And, and I, I really appreciate this design philosophy. I totally think it is fair to say it is overwhelming and wanting some guidance. 
especially being completely fresh. But as somebody who has some familiarity with Destiny, right? Mm -hmm. It's just been a while. I love that it's like, man, whatever I want to do, I'm getting stronger. And that is why I will forever appreciate Destiny 2, Ben. You nailed it. Is because the game can be as hardcore or as casual as you want mm -hmm. it to be. I'm someone who really just dives in for a month or two when a new expansion comes out. Uh, you know, maybe gear up to do a raid. All right, I'm good. Mm -hmm. There's other players who grind the seasons out, who grind out all the exotics, everything there is. So I really think it nails better than most games the accessibility of being able to dive in and, and play casually or being able to commit full time and play it hardcore. Like Destiny does it so well. And just the, the combination of PvE and co-op. PvP, PvE. Sorry, Damian, uh, that, that point was just like on the tip of yeah. my tongue. So if, if yeah. I interrupted you, I apologize. Oh, no. And yeah. I want to know how relevant this is. It's it's just a weird mm -hmm. tick, I guess, coming into this is I had a misconception about the structure of the game. The, the world structure, I guess. Mm. It, it's the tower. I mean, I don't know anything about the previous iterations of the game. I thought it was like interconnected zones. And mm. then you could really walk. I mean, there are some of those there. But doesn't I don't feel the sense of like they're connected. Like I got to the edge of this zone, it flows into this zone. Like games, you get this in Monster in the World, you get this in fourteen, you get this in WoW, you get this in Fantasy Star. Like every other traditional type of MMO has that kind of world continuity to it. In this game, everything so feels so isolated and instanced, and mm. it, it it's a little it was a little off putting to me at first. But now sure. that I understand how it works, I get why they went with this decision. But to what we were talking about earlier about introducing new players, I thought it was going to, like, that first zone where just other players are walking around, that Destiny 1 area, I was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. people are just doing their own stuff in different areas. I'm, this is a low-level area. I'm going to get used to shooting stuff. And really wasn't that after that point. And I was mm -hmm. just kind of wondering if it ever was that or if they ever might want to go back to or try and go towards something like that for the new player experience whereas i completely understand what ben's saying it's so nice to be away from a game and jump back in it's like no here you go there's no barrier or any crap where you can't just like start doing stuff oh you're not the right light level you're so far behind good luck spend a month grinding to get up to this level to play that's <laughs> yeah it's always nice when those those gates are knocked down or don't even exist in the first place well to your point damiani um Actually, before I before I touch on that, I do I want to say um, when I was last really into Destiny two, you know, when we were streaming that raid and stuff, um, and something that I felt about Destiny one and its early in its life was, man, like there's just not enough to do and too much of it feels the same. Whereas now, way deeper into Destiny 2's life, returning after so long, it's like holy shit, this Forsaken campaign is really good. Or, so oh man, these these strikes that I haven't done before like feel really unique and exciting, and there's so many of them. Um, mm -hmm. And just kind of jumping in at a more mature point, uh, I, I feel overwhelmed with stuff to do. Like there's, there's things that I, there's modes and things and activities that I still haven't touched yet and I'm excited to get to. Like it just feels like a wealth of stuff, which I really appreciate. Um, but kind of to your point, Damiani, uh, Something that has always frustrated me about Destiny is it is really hard to piece the story together. Uh, it is, I, I feel like it's especially hard now that more story is kind of being introduced, not just in expansions, but uh, throughout the seasons as well, like little tidbits here and there. And I've, I've always felt this 
detached from Destiny because it's like, I love the shooting. It feels fantastic. It looks gorgeous. Holy shit. The environmental artists in Destiny yeah. are amazing. Like, yeah. best in class. Yeah. They're, they're bungee hats off. But uh, it, I, I, it was always that, like, feeling of I, I, I think I know what's going on or I don't. Or it was just like, you know, I felt at arm's length. There's this guy. My name is Biff, and I've been watching his lore videos. And it's amazing how much just somebody, like, sitting down and being like, okay, mm-hmm. this is the story of Destiny has improved my own enjoyment of it. Where it's like, oh, I can actually get invested in this because I know what these names are, these these things that they're referencing. Uh, way more enjoyable. I love the lore. I don't love the storytelling. Yes, you know, I think it's a good a way to, to put it. Mm, yes, okay. The lore is so awesome in this game. There's a lot of shit going on and <laughs> yeah. a lot beneath the surface. It's just presented yeah. in a very poor way. Like yeah. really ambiguous yeah. cutscenes, a lot, you know, a lot of activities that you need to do to piece things together. Like there's story being told in the raid, there's story being told in the strikes. Right. And it's hard to kind of grasp at all the activities and everything you're doing and piece it together in a cohesive way. Yes, absolutely. So. Yep. Uh, that's why I like Forsaken so much because mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this terrible thing happened. Now you're going to go on a quest for vengeance. And it it just felt, I mean, obviously there's more going on to it than that, but it felt like that very simple drive with a character that you knew and that they like very clearly established was more engaging to me than a lot of the other stories Destiny has told. Um, Agreed. And I I I like most, most agree. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I would say that I that I like about Shadowkeep and the the, the sense that I kind of get from Bungie, and I, I hope this follows up with Beyond Light, is I kind of get the sense that they're like, okay, we're going to cash in on these mysteries. Like, yeah. things that we've been talking about, we're going to reveal a little bit more. We're pushing the overall Dude. story ahead further. I, I just Shadowkeep kind of gave me this impression where it's like, all right, we're doing this. And I hope mm-hmm. that's true. I hope. <laughs> it is the okay. next the next expansion is cashing in on destiny one stuff yeah, then yeah so we're going back pyramids. we're doing some yeah yes. pyramids yes. let's go yes 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 so I, I really like that as well when it's not constant like tease 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 mystery 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 when you when your players have a sense of like okay we're actually moving forward on these mysteries it's it's nice um, Damiani, what do you think about like the classes and just the overall like combat and the abilities and just playing the game? I mean, I like uh, so I've only been playing one class. With the, I've messed the three different subclasses. I think at this part, uh, I did the the art the bow thing. I wasn't a. Fan Are you of a hunter? The, the bow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah sorry. Um, and uh, I I think I am. I feel like it's. Uh, I feel like I might sell something, but I mean, I saw the expansion and saw. Warlock and Ice or whatever or whatever that is. I was like, I guess it's a Warlock class, right? Or something. We're assuming. Well, all the, I, everyone has the Ice. Yeah, oh, everyone. Everyone, everyone is getting. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Well, Warlock. I think that's in the right chat. Was telling me something about a Warlock class that mm-hmm. I might want to switch to and try at some point because it looked appealing. But yeah, bring out the staff with the like electricity and stuff was just so satisfying. Um, so I, I, I like I like having the weirdest thing about to me about this game is understanding that what matters most when you're increasing your gear 
the, the I'm still early, so I'm at a point where I think it doesn't really actually matter mm-hmm. too much. Higher number, uh, higher number is probably just gonna be the best <laughs> off. But that's not what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about like the firepower and the stats so much as I'm worried about the type of weapon loadout I'm using. Because right. I prefer to have a range sniper type rifle as my primary, and then secondary like a like a submachine gun type thing that can, or something with a little bit more firepower. And then for my the the third one, like the whatever it's called, the uh, I like having a, a sword, like a melee type sword to go third person. Because I, I, as you said, like the environments are great in this game, but at some t- points I like to pull back the camera a little bit and get you know that kind of perspective. I really enjoy playing that way at points and using like the cloak the, to sneak around and like get yeah, yeah. You, you're distracting me as I get behind him like and then like bye bye I'm out of here again like that's pretty I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that Huber uh, I, I do feel like I need to dabble in a few of the other stuff uh, and I think I might be ready to try out more of that it's nice. just the weapon yeah you know, like I, I don't know how fixated I need to be on if you really want to be a sniper you might need to be like this class or something like that Th- that's that's when things get really fun, right? Is when you finish all the campaigns, you're you're getting caught up. The end game yeah. really turns into building your arsenal, mm-hmm. finding those exotics. Because like a lot of those exotic quests are difficult and secret. Like finding them is secret. Uh, so yeah, building your arsenal and then just having a rotation of weapons that you can use. Because so many of them are so good for different activities. Right. Like the community loves, you know, figuring out which gun will break which activity it's like all right which can uh you know sometimes there's weapons that can like just destroy a raid like okay for this boss we use this exotic and we just burn this this entire raid boss down bungie nerfed it a week later like so that's like a big part of the end game is is building your arsenal something that i really appreciate uh as i'm as i'm you know powering up and trying to increase my light level to get to that in-game stuff once again is I really like the way Bungie has handled weapons. And I know that it's frustrating, Damiana. I think this is kind of what you were alluding to, where it's like, well, this number is bigger, but I don't really like this type of weapon. In, in a way, I actually kind of like that, where I feel like because I'm you know, progressing in light levels so quickly, I'm constantly cycling through weapons. And so I have to change how I'm playing, right? It's mm-hmm. very different if I have a rocket launcher as my heavy weapon versus a sword. Or it's very different if I have a can- hand cannon as opposed to an auto rifle. And I love that, like, oh man, all of these things are good in different situations. And I have to play differently depending on the weapon that I have. And so I think it's going a long way in keeping things fresh. And I also think it speaks to how masterful Bungie is at making things feel good to shoot, that I'm Dude. enjoying that process of cycling. The bow and arrow, Ben, tell me you've used bow and arrows. I have Just used like it barely. Weapon. It's So oh. here's, here's why, Huber. Um, <sighs> the reason I haven't used bow and arrow more is because, like, as I'm leveling up, it just kind of falls in that awkward place where like I'll get one and then I'll immediately get something better. So it's like, I'm getting a lot of hand cannons or a lot of snipers or a lot of swords. I'm not getting like a lot of bows where I can use them for a long time, but hopefully, you know, once, as you were saying, you kind of hit the level and you can be a little bit more selective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting how it's just such a different experience for me where the the job slash class 
isn't the sole determining factor of the the the, the experience you're going to have in terms of how you play a mission. Um, and in hearing you two now and in the past talk about, especially raids, talk about how using different loadouts also complements the strategy. I'm just used to like as long as you have like good enough gear, uh, you pick a role, and your role is like this is the style of the like this is your play style for this this raid, this mission, whatever you're doing. And if you want to mix it up, choose a different class. And there's I'm used to having a large variety of classes. And being able to switch between them to get a unique mm. play style yeah. and handling that versus worrying so and having to memorize or learn rotations, which is another thing in this game. There's you three cooldown abilities. Like it's it's <laughs> like to me that's keep the, shooting. So far, it's like yeah. I mean, gunplay is harder for me because I'll say this is a game where you have to aim. Like manual aiming and movement are like there's no lock on. Whereas in like in 14 or WoW or, or I'm not in WoW, but like 14 and a lot of other MMOs, there's either like assisted things that like you don't have to worry so much about the aiming i mean while you do especially well, while yeah PvP. tab targeting for sure yeah but yeah, tab targeting just like oh that's not part of the equation worry about mm-hmm. everything else around you and I, I i've always leaned and preferred that type of style of uh both competitive and cooperative play so it's a bit that's also a bit of an adjustment here but in terms of like actually how how many abilities have it that part of it's kind of like baby mode to me but i understand why because in real time there's so many other things you have to like deal with in terms of uh, in a first person shooter than you ever have to do in like a third person cooldown based you know mmorpg totally i can't wait to do the raid with you guys i we gotta make it happen. i really want that that's, to happen yeah like that's that's the damiani take I want right his, raid his, mechanics. The, raid mechanics yeah. in Destiny Two. I yeah. need him to see these raids, dude. Absolutely. And I guess a lot of them are like 750 light, Ben. Well, like you can do a lot of the early ones when you just dive in, like ready to go. Yeah, I think the newest one is 940. I want to say nice. something like that. Um, nice. Which I'm. I think I'm at 940 ish. I don't remember my exact light level, but like. Man, I'm just, like, flying up there, and it feels so good. Uh, we'll see how that, like, final 10 light level crawl at the end. Yeah, I think, yeah, think 1,000 is the soft cap, and then to 1,050 yep. or 60. Yep. Don't quote me on yeah, that. It's, the final it's, 50 or 60 is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So insane. we'll see how it feels when we get there. But having yeah. a good time at the moment. It would, be, it would be really fun. I don't know if it'll happen, but it would be really fun uh, to do the raid. Totally. Speaking of Destiny, gentlemen... Uh, we're going to do something called a face-off. I'm going to pit two series, and you have to consider their entire legacy, and you have to tell me what you think is better. Oh. All right? Where's Nemo? The two that series, voice cracked. So emotional. The two series that we're doing a face-off today on is Destiny and Halo. Ooh. Man, I wish I knew more about OG Death. I mean, I'm inclined to say Halo. So I want I want you both Same. to, to think yeah. about this for a second. And again, you're not just saying I think like Destiny is better than Halo right now. You have to consider history yeah. and impact and and how things are going and where you see the future. Right, like so, it's not just the past, also the future. What's I feel like end? Halo has been on the decline since Bungie left. I feel like four and five are so unmemorable. They're they're so forgettable. 
Like, obviously, anytime a Halo game comes out, it's massive, Mm -hmm. right? Like, anytime a new Gears game, even though it's not, like, the original team, it's like, anytime one of these games comes out, it's so massive, and it is a big deal, but I feel like Halo 4 and 5 did not have lasting appeal like the original games. But those original games were... Are le- like that's yeah. the thing is like Halo One and Two and Three and Reach and sure ODST yeah are superior to Destiny One and Two. I feel like in terms of legacy, you um, gotta pick. You gotta pick one series. Yeah, I feel like I, I gotta go Halo. That what, what you just said Hubert, is exactly how I think, and you've played yeah. more Destiny than I have. So if you're leaning towards that, there's no way you're gonna convince me Destiny Two is better than. Than that, so, that. But Destiny 2 now oh. is big. Hmm. You know, it definitely has the following, the passion, the passionate community, you know? Destiny has that, like, just obsessive players and obsessive community that that just won't stop playing. Like, I feel like everyone at least dabbles in Destiny 2. But, yeah. Do you which which series do you think has a brighter future ahead? I mean, the, the hot Short. off the presses, right? The, that brand new news that the Halo multiplayer is free to play, right? That is a huge deal. I feel like everyone now is going to play Halo. It just depends how good that multiplayer is. If that multiplayer yeah. is top tier, master class, then Halo's future is looking pretty bright. Uh, and Destiny Two. I'm worried slightly when games build for so long and they drag on for so long. Like, we're not getting Destiny 3, they said, for like 10 years or something crazy. I I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what they just said. They're like, yeah, we're not getting Destiny 3 for a long time. Like, we're sticking with Destiny 2. Mm -hmm. Destiny 2 will be on next gen. Granted, Bungie is now out of Activision's thrall. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a new era. That's really exciting. You know, they've been hyping it up. They keep saying, you know, new era, here we go. So it, it feels like a, a brand new potential. But still, it's going to be Destiny 2, which is an older game. And it's like, how long can we take this on? It's like World of Warcraft. Like, every time a new World of Warcraft expansion comes out, I'm so hyped. I'm so stoked. But it's still a 10-year-old game or 15-year-old game. Right. You know, the, Halo, I just, Halo's doing the same thing, though. I mean, they're, they're going to be the newer yeah, one. Yeah, that'll be 10 years. But they're also saying it's going to be it's doing be the same thing. So right. It, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, that's it, a great yeah. point. It, it, yeah, yeah, this is really complex. because if, if the It Halo, is. If, it's so complex. If Halo multiplayer is really good, I think they get the advantage in the long term. In the short term, I think Destiny 2 is yeah. going to be the more appealing. But if Halo... If Halo, if Halo Infinite's multiplayer really pans out and really knocks it out of the park, it definitely has the stepping stones to, to, for the long game, surpass and become the more intriguing of the two and have a better future. Especially once they start unveiling maybe a content roadmap for whatever they're going to be doing for that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same point, you know, three or four years in, you know, when Des- if they get to Destiny 3, I-, I can see this being like a clash of titans, man. Every few years, <laughs> yeah. like, they trade the blows. You know, the new entries come out. <laughs> I think you nailed it, but I feel like then the tiebreaker, because it is kind of so um, close right now, the tiebreaker is Halo's Legacy. To start? Like, so- Halo 1, Halo 2. I- but studio-wise, Huber, 
Do we gotta give a shout out to studios because the yeah, studio it's, it's Bungie versus themselves. <laughs> <laughs> the real winner is Bungie. The real winner is Bungie. You know that those. I, I just wanted to have a brief discussion about it. Suss it out. Get some feelings out there. I think you both uh, played ball quite well. Uh, this. <laughs> Face Off is brought to you by some wonderful shout-out to your patrons if you want to find out more. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash easyallies. It's a $250 tier, uh, and we shout you out on all of our podcasts. And uh, the way I think we're going to handle this shout-out this time is I'm going to say all the names, and then uh, you two, I want one of you to start leading a song, like, shout-out! And I want whoever leads it, I want the other person to try to follow them as closely as you can, okay? Okay. All right. So, shout out to Blue, Caleb Togi Crawford, L. Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, and Jesse Blue. Don't let the days go <laughs> by. <laughs> shout out. Shout out. That was not the direction I was expecting, uh, but we'll this take it. Sh- this is a shout out to something we did on Destiny 2. Okay, all right, relevant then, relevant. Uh, oh, I love it. Damiani, tell me about Creeks. Yeah, oh, so uh, this past week on our uh, stream team, the uh, stream team committee, uh, our $15 and up patrons, voted on this game called Creeks. And going into it, aside from the, the the visuals and knowing it was a platform puzzle game, was that everyone said, Ian recommended this to us to suggest for stream team. Ian loves this game, and Ian thinks all of you are going to love this game. And that's that was high praise. And checking it out to the vet it during the, the process of uh, putting it on the final poll... Mm-hmm. I, I really hope this one won up the game. So I was like, oh, please let this one. Especially if I'm going to be playing, I want to play this. And it is a 2D uh, puzzle platformer with, I can't even describe this, this art style. It's like this dark, morbid, like almost Tim Burton-esque uh, vibes it's going for. It's really unique, well, like well animated. I was just... The beginning, you start off in your bedroom, and you're just at your desk doing some work, and your light keeps flickering on and off. And the animation of getting up and turning it on and off, it's just really well done. And from there, you go, you go down this path, like go down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and they reveal you the whole world. This giant castle-like structure underground in a cavern, and they're just like, zoom out like pixel art style so like you see everything and it's like wow that's massive and you're climbing down this little ladder to get to the top of it and you're just like you're gonna be going through this whole thing have fun and you're like eh, it's not that big and then you get into the game and you see what it's really about it's about figuring out contextual environmental clues they throw ever increasingly different kind of like wrenches into the works to like kind of keep you on your toes and i really like that where we're enemies aren't necessarily you don't fight enemies in this game they're part of the puzzle they're part Mm. of the solution a lot of the times like the very first enemy are these robotic dogs they look like from black mirror that episode of black mirror have you seen that one the black and white one but when they're in the light they turn into dressers innocent little dressers you can push around 
So you gotta like lead them around, like I'll string them along, and then but they know they know better. They won't just run into a light. They'll they'll cower at light and back off and stuff. So that's like it's it's like hey right, now you gonna have to use like light and maybe you can push light at them. Oh, and then there's another enemy, this te this tentacle jellyfish looking enemy that's introduced. Like what the hell? Oh, the dogs are scared of it. If you get the dog, if you get them to run at the dog, they push the dog a certain way. Now it starts adding all these layers, and it just does not let up. And sprinkled in throughout there are these little bits of story. There's like you peek through these creeks. <laughs> Sorry, these cracks. I guess not creeks. You mm -hmm. peek through these cracks in the walls, and you see these bird race. Uh, and the, it's an Did intelligible you say bird race. Bird race, like these bird people. Oh, like okay, a race okay. of bird characters. Gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, uh, not yeah. No. <laughs> They're, uh, they're, like, it's an unintelligible language. You can't make out, but you can't tell if they're good or bad. And then you finally run into them, and they seem kind of good. And you're kind of, there's this giant monster that's constantly threatening the environment you're in by breaking walls and kind of this ominous thing going on. It's just all this stuff going on. And at the heart of it, it's just these rooms, these standalone rooms that you have to solve how to get past them and advance to the next room. And you keep... Got to you got to keep moving that way, and that's the the bread and butter of the game. It's mm. really simple, but really well executed. Damiani, the 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 enthusiasm with which you like painted that image was so captivating. Like I could tell how how like kind of in love with this thing you are, and I think that's really really cool. Um, it sort of sounds to me like kind of uh, an inside where mm. it doesn't do a lot of like overt storytelling where there's there's mm. there's people talking to you or you're picking up like you know notes or anything like that where you're just kind of stuck in this sort of bizarre world and you you slowly piece together what's happening is that accurate yeah it, the clues are mostly from the environment the different types of rooms you start going through you pay attention to like the backgrounds like hmm this looks like a disheveled like living quarters of some kind. Was someone living here? Was there... then you move on? There are these like paintings that you can interact with. Uh, there, there, there. There's no dialogue or anything like that. But some of them you just crank them up and like a scene plays out. Uh, it's like the Ooh. British puppet style. I forget what they're called. Uh, but yeah, the, those like British state. Uh, what? A marionette or whatever. Uh, there was like a no. There's like a name and a name, something and something. I forget. Like it's a guy and a girl's name. Anyway, uh, not important. But <laughs> some of them are interactive. There was a part where blood was trolling me. It's like, oh, I think Damiani fell asleep. And I'm like, what are you talking about, blood? I'm watching this. I'm engaged. And he's like, why aren't you hitting any buttons? And I'm like, what do you mean? It was like a fight scene where like Whoa. two knights and you were supposed to use the analog stick and the button inputs to fight back. And I was like, wait, what? I wasn't like they were on the side. There was there, but I was just like, watching it. I've been trained. Oh, this is like a cutscene type thing, and some of them are interactive, and some of them have some clues to some narrative elements about like some of the bird people are in these, and you're like, huh, what happened to this world here? So it's that, yeah, it's definitely the type of storytelling. It's very intriguing, uh, very captivating. Uh, sounds awesome. I just looked at some screenshots. It looks rad. Mm -hmm. Gives me definitely an inside or Little Nightmares vibe. Do you guys ever play Little Nightmares? Yeah, yeah I really like Little Nightmares, actually. Uh, I just want to apologize to any viewers really quick. Uh, when I my headphone cord like got caught on my chair and I just bent down to, <laughs> to loosen it. 
And when I come when I came back up, Zoom like wasn't recognizing my face, so it was just a Podcasting void. Podcasting at home. Yeah, it was just it was just, it was just a void for a second. I didn't leave. I didn't poof out of existence. Uh, I was right there. Just Zoom was freaking out. Oh. I think the virtual background was having a weird effect. But uh, Damiani, um, with these type of games, right? Like like Inside uh, and Limbo, brilliant games uh, in a lot of ways. Something that I get frustrated with sometimes is you sort of get into these situations where, like, oh, I have to run away from this thing, and I have to, like, use this specific path, and if I don't do that, I'll die instantly or something. And so it ends up, you know, there's some trial and error, and that can be a little bit irritating sometimes. Do you feel like the way these puzzles are designed, um, that their trial and error isn't a problem? Like, you have room to properly explore and fail and have fun? Yeah, I, I think as the puzzles aren't necessarily complex, there could be a lot of moving parts. Uh, there aren't that terribly amount, a lot amount of moving parts, but they can get they, they get to a point where you definitely are. I have to fail a few times to figure out I need some more information about this room. So I got to fail. I, I gotta, it definitely encourages you just, just try moving over here. And it's very clearly marked most of the time. You're too close to an enemy, you're done. It's an instant death. You cannot fight back. You fail. You just reload at the start of the same room, and you just try again. So we were talking about uh, earlier uh, um, about uh, difficulty and stuff. One of the things I really appreciate is games that this like reload you immediately uh, into an instance like that because it would be a detriment to this type of game. So really appreciate that. Uh I, I think it's really nice because there's a lot of switches you can flip, not just lights, but platforms will move up and down. Um, there, there's like multiple paths. So in a room sometimes, so sometimes you got to like figure out like I got to go down a ladder, then through this corridor. Sometimes like these dogs are the first things you come across. They chase you only when you're in a certain range, but then they walk back to a mat uh, and then sit there. So sometimes you got to like figure out if I move them this far and they start walking back. If I race to here, I can trap them in these areas. It's... So yeah, there's definitely trial and error, but it never feels frustrating. In fact, I feel like the puzzles are pretty good because towards the end of our two-hour stream, I was really feeling like exhausted. Uh, but we had Jones and Bloodworth with me, and Bloodworth at one point's like, "I got this, I got this, Dummy. I just do this, do this, this." So it was really nice to have like someone else figuring it out. Uh, obviously, you're playing this by yourself; it's not multiplayer. But yeah. at the same time, I think I think it's very fair. I, I think it is a very well they're very well designed puzzles and I think they feel very satisfying and I think very early on you start to get I think no matter what room I've been I've seen so far you clearly figure out pretty quickly what you ultimately need to do it's just how much time it's going to take you to figure out the sequence of things uh, is the real challenge Man Creek sounds awesome and it's funny because I think Brandon Jones and Daniel Bloodworth are two excellent companions for that type of game uh you know both very level-headed uh and just blood especially being like just very confident and being like no this is what you need to do <laughs> i could see them them being good co-pilots for sure but uh no it sounds awesome really really does um i kind of had a, a similar experience damiani where one of the games that i'm bringing was also part of a group thing that we did uh and that is grounded Mm. Nice. Yeah. Um, and we did this on a group stream. It was Bloodworth, myself, Brandon Jones, and Ian. Um, and it's interesting because I, I think 
it's a promising game. Definitely rough around the edges. Uh, definitely, it's in a game preview phase right now, right? So it's not it's not fully out. Definitely bears mentioning. But um, it's one of those things where I think slight changes can have a big effect. So the bulk of Grounded is kind of that survival-style game that you've probably played to death at this point, where it's like, okay, you've got to go, you've got to gather resources to make weapons, those weapons have durability, they'll break, then you'll have to go and find more resources to pick them back up. Certain resources can only be acquired with certain types of things, right? Like you might need a hammer to get through this clay or or an acorn or whatever. Um, and then you can go and you can build bases um, also using resources, and you can upgrade the defenses of those bases, but uh, bugs can come down and knock this stuff over. So all of that stuff there, like, very familiar, right? Um, and to be honest with you, I don't love those kinds of games. Um, one, because I think they've they've been done a lot, and two, I just always get really frustrated when I want to explore, and it's like, oh, I'm, I'm hungry. Like, I, I guess I'll have to stop <laughs> what I'm doing to go find a bite to eat, like, and just so many systems kind of pulling you away from whichever direction you want to go. Um, Quick shout out to Among Trees, the most accessible game ever like that. Ben. Oh, nice. So jolly. So jolly. And I don't, again, I don't even think it's necessarily a problem with the game or the genre. Like, that's just a personal preference. But uh, I think Grounded really separates itself with this Honey, I Shrunk the Kids vibe being <laughs> so fantastic. Like, it was really cool going and seeing like just a baseball and trying to be like, Oh, can we build a house on this baseball or having a ladybug be so intimidating. Right. Um, and I think that premise as well as like how adorable it looks really goes a long way. I also think the world is pretty smartly designed where it's huge and you can get lost and there is uh, incentive to put down like markers and that sort of thing. But it's not so big that when you have those moments where you're like, oh, I have to go back to that place, that it's like a huge pain in the butt to get to. Like, it's, it's designed to the point where it's, like, fun to kind of get lost and find your way someplace. But then when you need to keep returning there, it's quick enough that it's on a burden. Um, so I think all of that is good as well. And I liked what they're trying to do with the storytelling. And I like – I think – I. Uh, a huge benefit of these types of games is when you have those moments where you just sort of naturally uncover the story and it's not force fed to you. Like Jones and, and uh, blood and Ian all went off and they found this lab and they found this talking robot and I was back at base and they were just describing it to me. And it's like, Oh, Whoa, I can't believe you found it. Right. And uh, of course, everybody's going to find that. Right. But not knowing that and not having it shoved down your throat uh, made it feel kind of like this magical moment as well. Yeah, because when, uh, you know, I feel the same way as you've been with most survival games. I really like Don't Starve. Mm. And, and Among Trees is a is a newer, comforting, accessible one. Mm -hmm. But solo, mm. they can just feel really depressing. Mm -hmm. Just really, really depressing, lonely games. And I know that's kind of the whole point is like, all right, you got to survive. But I feel like with this, just the jolly nature of being, you know, shrunk down, honey, I shrunk the kids with co-op, with having friends to talk to, to banter with, to explore together. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really awesome. And, and I, I'm, I want to play this game. Yeah. It's interesting because I think in a game that is 
supposed to be punishing and your master of those systems is kind of the point bugs that hinder your progress feel not not literal bugs but like game bugs that hinder your progress (laughs) feel um extra Hmm. awful so a good example is when you die all your backpack has all this stuff that you're carrying around one time i died and it's like my backpack just like fell through the earth like i just i just couldn't get it (laughs) and damn it oh man like it's it's already (laughs) so easy to like have things destroyed or to lose something or to die or whatever and just that like extra Mm. punishment that felt like it was outside of my hands i was like no the other thing that i think um needs to be tuned a little bit and you can i recommend you go watch the stream if you can uh not you guys necessarily but the audience uh is there'd be times where somebody would die right like wolf a wolf spider came and it was an incredibly exciting moment where it's like oh god no the spider run and hide but then somebody would die and the spider would just like hang on their corpse so it's like oh <laughs> sorry like we can't uh, go get you because this shit. enemy just won't move and body camping right and <laughs> you can't go get your stuff because the spider is there and so i think i think that could be uh tweaked a little bit for sure but Really, really cool. Tons of fine. It, it was awesome when uh, Blood found Rash from Battletoads, like just a oh, little action yeah. figure, and nice. uh, we went and got that. And so, yeah, I man, it's the kind of thing where. Oh, sorry, Dom, Andy, did you have a question? No, finish your thought because this question is about it. But like, I want to, I want to ask towards the end. Sure, um, it's the kind of thing where I think my preference is against. This type of game, like I probably wouldn't have gone out and spent, you know, 30 or 40 bucks on it or whatever. But the fact that it's like, okay, Game Pass, it's just there. I have Game Pass. I, th- I think that is so phenomenal, right? And really opens you up to experiences where if there was a, a higher barrier of entry, you probably wouldn't have given it a chance. Somebody just said that on the Easy, A's, Easy Allies podcast, well, Ben. That's what I was... A- Some- yeah, That's, somebody wrote so, in and was yeah. and, and said, "Yo, I would I don't like these games, but it's on Game Pass, so I played." And the next thing I know, I'm I'm 15 hours in. Yeah, thank you, Games Pass. <laughs> right, yeah, you, you, like, you partially <laughs> answered like that. Yeah, you answered that question. Uh, what came up? Because I'm curious. Because you're the fourth of the three of the people who were three of the four people who were part of the Grounded stream were on the Easy Allies podcast recently, the most recent yeah. episode, and we talked about Grounded. And uh, this question came up, but there was also a point raised by Brandon Jones and. Um, I would like to pose it to you, uh, seeing okay. that you had hands-on with it, about the current situation we're in, that uh, this game might have more room to breathe and get some attention because mm-hmm. there are fewer releases happening right now. And this game, because apparently this game was huge on Twitch. Uh, right, right now it is. It has like a lot yeah. of people watching it. Um, and when you mentioned the stream, I was like, yeah, there we go. Like It's very well watched right now. And it, you mentioned also it's on Game Pass, which kind of you know, answers part of the question that's like a very low barrier to get into. So my question is, do you think, uh, do you think this game is benefiting from the current situation and, uh, or otherwise, you know, do you think this game would have, you know, had a fair shake if we were in like a normal situation where maybe heavy, more heavy hitters were coming out and it got drowned out? Man, it's, it's really a good question. And I think it is, you know, I don't have hard numbers to back this opinion up, but I think comparing it to Steam is good because a lot of times there'll be a game that'll come out on Steam that'll kind of float to the top of the 
top sellers list and it'll be hot, but it'll only be hot for like a minute. Um, and you know, variety streamers will kind of grab hold of it. They'll stream it for a little bit and then it will eventually fade. I think with Game Pass, that will naturally happen, right? Where because there is a low barrier of entry and everyone can check it out and people are looking for things to stream, I do think it is possible for it to get hot for a minute. I don't necessarily think that translates to, you know, a, a strong, consistent population over a long period of time. But even so, I still think that's a good thing, right? Because... Whatever you can do to get your game any attention, you know, you're probably immensely grateful for, right? And it's a, it's a huge, you know, like it's, it's maybe not always exactly the way that you want it to go. Like I'm sure all of these games want everybody to play them for as long as possible. But I think any attention that you can give them is probably good and they may not have gotten it otherwise. I, I just don't know if you say, hey, here's this, early access game preview version of a survival game, it costs, you know, let's say $30. I, I just don't know if it would have gotten the attention. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah. I, I feel like the same way. I think that was a really good answer. Uh, it was interesting because like Ian also added uh, a, a statement about how, because this is Obsidian Entertainment and right. they made it very clear uh, from the get go that this, this isn't meant to be a huge this isn't cyberpunk. They made the joke. This yeah, is, they want the yeah. best game of the year. Great joke. And he, he uh, sorry, Ian made the point about that was very smart of them to set expectations correctly yes. for this game. They talked yes. about it's going to be buggy. Like and there are going to be glitches. There, there it's going to be a, a game that's going to grow and take time to get to a point where we feel better about it. And it seems like that is a good mentality, and it was a good decision to make going into this type of game. Damiani, I think that is is an excellent point. Um, they did set expectations, um, and that self awareness, man, it really goes a long way. Because, like, you think about how many games are marketed, and so many times it's like we're the best thing ever. We're doing something that no one else has, and it's like, no, like you're another battle royale game, and you not having some self awareness of that fact makes me want to play you even less, right? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, attitude really, really affects perception. And I think just uh, someone's ability to to be receptive towards something. Yeah. What yeah. was, sorry, was it, a, was it Rogue Company? The, the most recent one, Huber... The one that, yeah, like, dude, I streamed that game. It's fun. Yeah, but like they're marketing and the, the when we saw trailers, they're trying to make that thing such a big deal. I feel yeah. like that was the, the like the opposite of this, where mm -hmm. hey, you try like I mean, you, when you played it, it was uh, you know it definitely wasn't bad. I was expecting like a hardcore yeah. Twitch streamer competitive thing, and it's like oh, this game's actually like really forgiving and really easy to dive into yeah. i feel like they definitely should have marketed it that way gotcha because it was not was not what i was expecting i was expecting like this is gonna be nuts highly competitive and it's like it's a competitive game of course but easy going mm. like team-based very very chill huber yo tell me about neon abyss neon abyss dude jolly little game uh rogue light game mm. Rogue like rogue light. I don't really even know the, the difference between those two terms anymore. Um, I've played a few hours, streamed it. 
and then played a little bit on my own. So if you don't know what it is, it is really colorful, bullet helly, not too bullet hell. Uh, there's some bullet hellness to it. Uh, bullet hell roguelike platforming procedurally generated mm-hmm. game. Um, and it's really fun. So you start out every run, you know, it, it's definitely easy to dive into because it's like you just do one run, one one more run, one more run type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically you you go through and there's there's a lot to this game, but it's also not a lot. It's like a really big, small game. If that makes sense. Um, So you go through and there are like four, there's five main end bosses. And to get to the boss, you have to go through like four or five levels uh, more as you go on. But like, say, you know, you say you're trying to kill the the first main boss, which I've done. I'm on the second main boss now. To kill the first main boss, you have to go through four levels at a time and each level has a boss itself Mm -hmm. so you have to beat like four in a row then you get to the final level and it's the final boss when you die you're done you go all the way back to the beginning so very punishing if you don't like this kind of game you know you're dying a lot going back redoing it the roguelike stuff comes in the form of upgrades but I'm not too keen on these types of upgrades. This is why I really love Rogue Legacy more than any other roguelike. Because in Rogue Legacy, you're getting meaningful, purposeful rewards. Like, all right, you're stronger now. Mm -hmm. Or you're doing more critical damage or whatever the hell. You know, like stat upgrades. These upgrades are like... You have the chance to get new items now like you unlock an item that can drop more health and it's like well there's so many items and weapons on a run anyway chances are you're not even going to see that thing and you know you still have kind of the same chance of getting through the stage as you did earlier it's like a little more skill based rather than stat based and when you're dying a lot, like, I like knowing, again, like in Rogue Legacy, I like knowing that at least I'm getting progress and my character is getting stronger and that I have more of an edge every single time. It's like it's like when I first realized that in Demon Souls and Dark Souls, it was like, shit, I'm dying a shitload. But like, dude, if I just go grind a little bit and get like one more strength point, like even one extra strength, I'm a little stronger. I have a better chance, you know? Yeah. Uh- so I like that stuff. These upgrades feel a little more random, a little less meaningful. Uh, granted, they are better. Like, the items I'm unlocking through these, this upgrade system seem powerful. Uh, but they're not game-changing yet. Huber, uh, the, this game is reminding me, I don't know if you remember, uh, Rad from Double Fine. Yes, I played a little bit of Rad. I like this way more than Rad. Okay. I dropped Rad pretty quickly. I, I also dropped Rad pretty quickly, and it yeah. wasn't even because I didn't like it. I did like it, but it just wasn't different enough from other mm-hmm. similar games for me to really stick with it, I think. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, that that's a tricky thing, I think, that a lot of these games fall into, where they're kind of coming into crowded genres and it's not even necessarily that they're bad it's just that they're mm-hmm. not good enough to really pierce through uh yeah. the noise if that makes sense do you find like neon abyss 
does have a strong enough hook, it is good enough to really kind of rise above? For me, because I'm always playing video games, Ben, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm just coming off of Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, so I like now having my little side game. It's coming at the right time. Yes, I love I love roguelikes. I love the genre. Mm-hmm. I love the art style. The art style is beautiful in this game. And it's a game I can pick up and play. It's a game I can jump into for 20 minutes or if I want to like do a ton of rounds, I can play for a few hours. But it, but if I have just a little bit of time, like okay, I can jump in for 20 minutes. I love having a 20-minute game at my disposal. So it's really fulfilling a need for my gaming habits. Gotcha. So, and there's uh, on the upgrade tree, there's characters you can unlock that have different abilities, which I found cool. I haven't unlocked anyone yet. Uh, there's like a stunt man on the first thing, and apparently he can do like tricks, so he handles differently than the other characters. And just going through the stages is cool. Like, they all look the same, kind of, which is a letdown. The, you know, it's an indie game. Right. The music kind of gets grating. It's like burning, burning, but you know, thumping kind of soundtrack gets kind of grating. Um, but just going through the levels is really fun because it's that risk versus reward where it's like, okay, I immediately found the boss room. Do I want to go in right now? I have full health. I have full shields. Like, should we do this or should I explore more? Mm. Should I go find the secret? Should I get stronger items? Like there's a ton of items, ton of weapons. Uh, the main currencies are gold and crystals. Crystals can unlock treasure chests that you find. There's a shop that you have to unlock the door to get into with crystals. And then you spend your gold on the items in there. So there's just a lot to unpack, but it never feels overwhelming uh, because there's not a lot of controls. There's jump, shoot, and grenade. Mm. And grenades can even be used to unlock, like uh, rocks will house treasure chests. So it's like, shit, do I want to use my grenades for attacking people? Or do I want to use it to like blow open this rock to get an item? Uh, so just, just really cool pick up and play fun game. I really like it. That's really important. Um, and something that I find that Hades does really well, where, Can't wait um, for release, please. with, <laughs> with roguelikes, I feel like sometimes you, when you play them and you know that the punishment for death is, you know, starting over, you have to be very, very careful because mm-hmm. if you're so hard out the gate, just mentally you're going to be like, well, I don't stand a chance. Like I'm not, I, I, you know, you, you have to give players a little bit of hope, but at the same time, you can't be too easy that it's not immediately engaging. Like you need to make the fear of death immediate. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think Hades does a really good job of that where it introduces things to you in a way that it's not over tutorializing. You're just kind of learning as you play, but it's straightforward enough at the beginning that you can get comfortable and feel good about the controls. And then yeah. as soon as you get comfortable, then it really lays it on. And it's kind of like the perfect Here time to do that. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so interesting. Sick. I believe. Yeah. The bosses are cool. There's they look really cool. There's like big blobs and stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I really haven't taken a look at it, but I believe it's on game pass, right? I believe it is on game pass. Yes. Okay. It's on switch too, I think. And PS4. Nice. I think it's on everything. This is, I mean, so. I'm not sure if it's on Game Pass, but if it is on Game Pass, it's like, oh man, I why not check it out? You know, even if it's just Got for it. a night, what do I have to lose? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's yep. pull. Can I ask you a question, Cooper? Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you've seen it yet, but I'm reading something here, and I'm just like, I haven't heard about it yet. Uh, there's a review quote that says the blah 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 and Pokemon style mechanics. 
Dude, I saw... So the reason this game was even on my radar... (laughs) Um... Oh, because well, you get the eggs. I forgot to tell you. Yeah, you find Wait. eggs throughout the game. Every run, okay. eggs is a huge thing. And the more enemies you kill, they hatch. And sometimes when it hatches, it'll be empty. But then other times it'll hatch and it'll be a companion. Oh. And you can get a ton of these things. It'll be like a bear that shoots fireballs. <laughs> it'll be like just a shuriken that goes around you and attacks enemies. Hubert, this so is awesome. This, like, <laughs> yes. Yes, that was one of the main things. Sorry. <laughs> and then... Uh, and the trailer that they showed during like Day of the Devs or whatever put it on my radar. There's like all these mini games like fishing that I haven't got to. Mm. Um, I think that stuff unlocks when you unlock the skill tree. Because one of the things on the skill tree was like hidden rooms can be a piano room where you like play the piano. And I'm like, what? That doesn't sound meaningful. So I haven't unlocked that upgrade. But mm. yeah, pretty cool. A lot of variety in the, in uh, in that stuff that I haven't yet seen. Because, I mean, I'm only on the second world. There's, like, again, there's five. And it's it's fun, too. Where do you guys stand on this with roguelikes? Where it's, like, the RNG. Sometimes you can be so OP with the items you get. But then other times it's, like, shit, I'm just not getting any drops. I'm feeling weak. Like, this whole run is a wash. Do you guys like that? Or does that... Because I like that. Because then when I do get really, really powerful, it feels valuable. Then I'm even more afraid to die. So this game definitely has that vibe. Yeah, I, I felt that with Binding of Isaac for sure, and mm-hmm. it, it can be really satisfying. But going back to a game that you mentioned earlier, I think Rogue Legacy does it very, very well, where you get the best of both worlds, where you are getting continually pow- more powerful, but then mm-hmm. it's super fun just playing as a descendant that has some fucked up thing about them. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know, and, and like, you know, you're not... You have a choice there. You could choose who you want to be, but it's a limited pool. And so, man, Rogue Legacy really felt like it kind of threaded the needle perfectly in that regard. But, yeah, it can be super fun. It just depends on how it's handled. Yeah, I love it in FTL, (laughs) but that's, you know, that style. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool little game. Cool little game. Hot little Hotake! Today on Hotake, we're going to be talking about Halo Infinite. And I want to preface this by saying that I know that we, you know, did the Xbox showcase, talked about Halo Infinite there. Uh, on the podcast, we talked about it. Brad and I did a, you know, I, I was in a Discord call with 343 looking at the game again. We talked about it there. But uh, I care a lot about Halo. I know Huber cares a lot about Halo. And I think Damiana has a lot of really good takes. And so some things have happened uh, since the podcast conversation Uh, with Halo Infinite, where Digital Foundry released a video uh, kind of looking into why, you know, the graphics look the way that they do. Uh, Obviously, we mentioned it earlier, but the multiplayer in Halo is going to be free-to-play and up to 120 frames on... or 120 frames on Xbox Series X. Um, And so to get this conversation going, uh, before we progress and I ask more specific questions... How are you guys feeling about Halo Infinite? And how much do you feel like it matters for the series in general and for Microsoft? I'm feeling okay because full disclosure, like I love Halo. Never been obsessed. You guys know I love Sony. Like I'm not a fanboy. Please don't call me a fanboy because I love all games on all systems. There are no like 
console wars or party lines for me, mm-hmm. but I just gravitate towards like Uncharted and God of War and those games. So my investment is probably a lot less than you, Ben. Mm-hmm. So I'm way more open, like a lot less critical mm-hmm. of what a Halo game needs to be. Um, so yeah, I, I, I personally thought it looked cool. I liked the art style. I know it's been so divisive. Mm-hmm. And so there's been so much controversy behind it. But I do want to bring up something. Like, we all know visuals aren't everything. And I saw in the early days, people were comparing Halo to a screenshot of Killzone Shadowfall. Right. And Killzone Shadowfall is so subpar of a video game. Mm -hmm. Like, that game looks beautiful, but it's just not fun. Like, that game, I don't even think Shadowfall is swimming in sevens. So, like... For all this vitriol and hate to be like, Halo's dead, it's over, like, I'm way more concerned about how you play the game and what it feels like to play the game rather than how it looks. Definitely. Um, So, to play devil's advocate here, right, uh, Halo Infinite has been in development for a long time. It is something that Microsoft has teased for a long time. Uh, you know, my, uh, Halo is a premier franchise, like you, many would argue, the premier franchise for Microsoft. And so to have it come out True. and to visually underwhelm, do you think, you know, even in spite of all of that, that, you know, that, that doesn't really matter, it just matters how, the, how it plays? Well, I think there's definitely, because I go through this with Fortnite, Ben, the, there is a massive amount of people who just don't like cartoony visuals straight up they're immediately out they want a realistic gritty look so i think the noise for this is obviously going to be louder because it's going for a specific style that looks a little more cartoony um so i definitely think that had a small part to play in the amount of noise but you know the internet has a short memory Mm -hmm. it's you know like a wind on the breeze. I, I feel like if this game comes out and it plays amazing, all will be forgotten. Okay, so that was actually one of the questions that I wanted yeah. to get into. And something that was interesting listening to, we're watching the Digital Foundry video about Halo Infinite, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. They were talking mm-hmm. about how much lighting and how Halo Infinite was set was affecting the way that things looked. And with different lighting, it could look dramatically different. Uh, and that was very interesting. And they're going to add ray tracing later on, right? And so this is definitely a thing in motion. Um, but do you do you think, like, because it has been a strong first response. I think that's undeniable. Like, with whether you like it or dislike it, yeah. the opinions have been strong. People are talking about it. It is, is a point of conversation. Do you think that if there is a positive showing in the near future or that it launches and it's received really well, that that initial impression will just completely fade away. I don't know if completely, but I think big time because Avengers, the newest war table was a huge improvement. Mm. Like that first one they showed with Thor. A lot of us were like, what the hell is this fighting robots? And it was like this new showing when they were showing so much, it's like, okay, this is looking a lot better. So I think reception and perception can change dramatically. Absolutely. There's just so many factors, too. Like, dude, when we saw the Horizon Zero Dawn 2 trailer, I was super underwhelmed because it's streaming over the internet. Like, 
in motion playing this 4K HDR, all that looks so much different than a stream on your computer. Like, how can you even judge graphics at all until you're staring at it on the actual hardware with your own eyes? Like, so I, I reserve judgment. Sure. Big time until I can see it in motion, see it in action. Yeah, Huber, I, I think that's a very level-headed response. Uh, before I throw in the next part of this, Tommy, I, I'd like to, to know how you feel. Um, that was a pretty good talk about the visuals. I mean, things can change. I don't think I need to say it. I don't really need to get into it any more than other than I thought it was for something trying to showcase. If their goal was to showcase next gen, it was underwhelming. Um, even hiding... Uh, even even it being an open world game, uh, we just spent a lot of time talking about Ghost of Tsushima, and I'm like, mm, yeah, no, uh, you, you have some, you have a ways to go in that department. But as you said, uh, like gameplay design will trump graphics anytime, um, and it could be amazing when it comes out. Maybe they just had a bad showing, as you said, Huber. We we had that turnaround a little bit with the Marvel's Avengers. Plenty of other games have had turnarounds and showings before they came out. I just think what they showed off from a perspective of like what you'll be doing moment to moment didn't look any, uh, I was like, how much time do you spend on this? This literally just looks like Halo again. The same old Halo. Is this supposed to be special? Is this supposed to be anything different? Oh, I can do a grappling hook up there. That's cool, but that it? And I was like, I, they weren't, they, 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 they did not sell me on the concept of any open world mechanic. I, I was like, Destiny 2 stuff is as big as some of this stuff. Get, get out of here. I was like, what, what are you talking about? Show, maybe show me more or some concepts. They didn't, they didn't do anything to illustrate that point. Basically, on the concept of selling as an open world and being unique, I think it completely failed in that regard. They've not illustrated that point yet. The sooner they can get to that and and show showcase why the open world benefits Halo and how you're going to be enjoying it and it's going to make it feel different, I think people start to turn on this game uh, in a positive way. And uh, they just did not... They, I think this failed miserably on that regard from its first showing. Uh, yeah, but, my, yeah, my biggest concern this whole time with the new Xbox has been this whole cross-generational thing. Like, oh, everything will play on Xbox One. And it's like, well, is that going to compromise these games? Is it going to hold them back? And this game, despite... I'm, I'm like, not hating on the visuals as, as much as others, but, like, definitely seeing the compromises being made, right? Like, yeah. doesn't the game... It Doesn't it feel held back because it's supposed to work on Xbox One? Like, how can... How can how is that even, like, deniable anymore? Well, it's, it's hard to tell. And, you know, I said this on the video with Brad, and it's very, very true. And you just said it, Huber, right? Like... I reserve judgment until I get it in my hands and I can really put it through mm -hmm. its paces because sometimes there have been plenty of times where things haven't shown well in a trailer and I've played them and I'm like, oh, now I get what they're trying to do because I feel like the language that they're using is very different from what I saw in the gameplay trailer where, like, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to do more than, like, quickly pulling up a map and, like... <laughs> killing some grunts and brutes for yeah. me to be like, oh, okay, this 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 is this, you know, spiritual successor to Halo Combat Evolved that you were talking about. It's Halo 1 without walls. It's going to be this more open, different thing. Like, I don't think that effectively comes across in the gameplay demo. It does a little bit, but not, I think, in the way that you want, where you're like, oh, I understand the scope of this thing. I think it is hard to watch that trailer and go, oh, I understand the scope of this thing. And I, I, just 
for on a personal level, I wish that scope came across a bit more effectively. However, something that I want to throw into the mix of this conversation, and please bring up the open world, you know, point if you would like, but something I want to throw into this conversation is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, right? Where, you know, that came out, that was successful, but honestly, from an outside perspective... The, re- the remake or the original Modern I'm sorry, the, the new one. The new okay. The new one, Call of Duty Modern Got Warfare. It. Um, Got it. You know, I know you really liked it, Huber, but, but it. from an outside perspective, it feels like all anyone's talking about is Warzone, and that is something that is that can be completely detached from the rest of Modern Warfare, and is free, um, and it just really feels like it it is dominating the conversation with that game, mm-hmm. and I wonder, you know, if all of the stuff that we're saying about Halo and like whether it succeeds or fails, like maybe that stuff is kind of trivial if this free-to-play multiplayer can kind of take off in the way that Warzone does and really totally. capture an audience, possibly even a new audience, especially at the launch of a new console. Like, is that a possibility? Absolutely. Yeah. We were, uh, I feel like we slightly touched upon it, maybe not as in-depth, when we talk about the, the, the Destiny versus Halo argument, yeah. that all it takes is for this multiplayer to catch on for whatever reason, and all of a sudden, it's... The dominant thing. It, it, people are just, I mean, who cares about the rest of Halo Infinite if everyone's dying to play this? It's the most streamed game, most played game. Right. Th- there you go. That's all that matters. And I, I think that's great. I, it's, and I, I would assume uh, 343 will roll with that and continue to foster multiplayer and maybe double down and focus on it. Whether or not that, that's the other part of the equation is whether or not they take advantage of that. I, I think they're at least smart and capable and smart enough and capable enough to do that so absolutely absolutely all the stuff that we're talking about oh it's failing to illustrate an open even if the final release comes out man this open world stuff was like whatever you know it was like it was a good game but they never really nailed this but wow the multiplayer holy crap it, it's like the, one of the best multiplayer games who cares you know mm-hmm. play this so the 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 trick there uh is what does it need to do to grab onto an audience? What does it need to do to be exciting on Twitch? What does it need to do to, I think, maybe combat you know any notions that people have with the visuals or gameplay or, or campaign or whatever? Like, what does a free-to-play... I guess to sum it up, what does a free-to-play multiplayer Halo need to do to be huge? I hate to say this because i like variety warzone killed modern warfare for me what i loved about warzone or uh modern warfare ben Mm -hmm. was the variety of modes Mm. so many different modes nobody plays them Mm. now it's just one mode dude that's all this game needs is one killer mode that people love to watch people love to play what does that look like is that in the halo world though is it like a team-based battle royale i don't know I have no idea, but because now the game is open world, so like, will will a battle royale mode be there? Probably. Uh, will they have their own unique Halo twist on it? Probably. Like, yeah, I, I think one one mode is is enough. I feel like, I mean, obviously it could be as simple as a battle royale, but I'd really love to see yeah. more of like a, a battleground type map 
where you start maybe it's like three teams of like a large group of players, mm-hmm. three or four teams of large group of players where they, Team where, they start, where, they, where they start in different locations and it's about taking over like bases and like fighting mm-hmm. for that space. So whoever controls yes. this, you now have an advantage and stuff. So it, it funnels people into these firefights where they get a fight for control of a spot. And it's this is all wow, Rathy base like this the old wow bet like PvP map stuff. Like that <laughs> that. Like just make it like that where you're fighting for control of a battlefield. It's not fighting to the last person. Let people respawn. It's about like maybe a score or some resource based thing where after a time limit or someone hits a certain threshold They've won, you know. Whoever conquers the whole map or something. I'd you're you're making me like think that. of uh, Warzone and Halo Five, but the thing that kind of undercut that mode was the card system and oh the, the consumables for stuff. Jesus, yeah. I forgot about that. See, I really want to. I really want to stress that is my expectations for this franchise have been so bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to sound harsh, but I really don't like Halo 4 and 5, like, at all. Mm. Like, I never need to play those games ever again. Sure. Uh, I just don't think they're great games, personally. Yeah, it's... So, my expectations have been so low, bottom. So, when I say, oh, it didn't look terrible to me, it's because my expectations are the absolute lowest they could possibly be. (laughs) It's hard because I, I think people have... People have a lot of very valid criticisms about Halo 5. Um, I still have a blast playing it, even though I think those criticisms are valid and I totally understand wanting to see a shift away from that, and I think that that would be a good thing. I still had a... Those games still felt good to me, uh, at least on a a very basic level. Um, The sprint debate, I think, is fascinating. I think people who are against sprint (laughs) have a very good point. I think the storytelling in Halo 5 is a mess. I think that is absolutely true. But I'm not somebody that hates Halo 5 in its entirety. You don't hate it? Right. Yeah, it just doesn't feel special, Ben. Sure. Halo 4 and 5? I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm coming from, is 4 and 5 just feel like... Like, these games should not be swimming in sevens. We have to hold them to the highest possible standard because they're first-party marquee system sellers. So my criticism needs to be a little higher, just like I I am higher expectations for God of War or Uncharted. Like, this is Xbox. This is Halo. So 4 and 5, like, this franchise just hasn't felt special in so long. I want to hang on that point, right? Because Halo 3 just released on PC. I've been playing some mm. Halo 3, both. God, I love that game. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's amazing how amazing it still is, right? And I'm sure nostalgia plays some factor into that, but I don't think you can write it off as just nostalgia, where it's like, there is nothing that feels quite like this, just in the way that things are balanced and how well those maps are designed. Like, you can jump into a game of Halo 3 right now and have Dude, a blast, even, even against you know contemporary standards i think there is still something remarkably special about halo 3 that game is fantastic and holds up uh and i think you know it's not just a multiplayer thing i think that campaign is still a blast to go through yeah dude i know other games have done it they just another thing they could borrow for multiplayer to make it i i think would work really well the concept i was talking about uh, borrow a little bit from RTS slash MOBA in terms of resource spawning stuff. Make it so that like you have to fight to acquire enough resources to like 
spawn warthogs and then banshees and, and sort of like, like like vehicles which ha- help you travel faster across the map to get to your destiny mm-hmm. to get to things faster so God, like the race to do that and or like maybe you need to push a base so you got to spawn a tank or something so you gotta like push you know that i want that i, I, I like those the, the, the that's Same. and like th- if they want to push scale maybe it doesn't work in the single player it could work in the multiplayer by having massive maps or something like that that'd be insane i'm really yeah. interested to see how the grappling hook translates to a multiplayer environment and what that means for traversal, what that means for player interaction, what that means for player and vehicle interaction. Very, very curious. Probably just some cooldown ability. Well, I mean, it, it is, it is, but yeah. like, you know, how that how changes the, up multiplayer yeah, matches. How that changes sure. just how you, cause, cause Halo is about that sandbox, right? And I'm interested to see how this particular element folds into the sandbox. Totally. Um, are we ready for some emails? Quick shout out to that pilot, though. I know uh, you know no one's really no one's as hyped as on that pilot. Yeah, the pilot. But the pilot really spoke to me, man. Mm. Just want to shout that out. Yeah, cool character. I'm invested. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our first email comes in from Matthew. Hey, Ben and panel. Everyone always talks about how great. Uh, Xbox Game Pass is. It's got tons of games. Day one releases for first party, just one subscription fee. It's often a lot as the best deal for gamers. No argument here. One thing that I never hear talked about, though, is how seemingly using this to get people in used to the digital future. I never hear how this is getting us further away from physical games. What do you all think? Am I off the mark, or do you agree? It's industry trends, for sure. Go digital future. I mean, the PS5 is going to have an all-digital version. So, I think it's... I don't know if that was their intent. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I say all the time how I'm going more digital with my games. So, I think it's just a byproduct of it. I don't know if that was their intention yeah. with Game Pass. Definitely. I mean, it's definitely trending that way. And I do think that this facilitates that transition and lowers the barrier for people who at least want to sample it. Because you come in at a low monthly fee, try it out. You're not, bu- it's less than buying a full game, like full price AAA game. So try it out for a month if you like it. You know, you got you got your taste. You're now hooked. And you welcome to part of the all digital, certainly you know, future. Versus mm-hmm. if you don't like it, you just back off and stuff. So I mean, I think that's kind of brilliant. Like I mean, they weren't the first thing of it, but it is you know, it is a very elegant solution to getting people eased into that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a good solution in that regard. I I, I have gone digital uh, by and large. I almost never buy physical games anymore, and I used to be a big proponent of physical games. And I think I, I still have sympathy in a way for people that let swear by it. I, I understand that desire. I do think it is nice to have options. But sometimes I just don't know how to feel in the sense of, like, some things just feel so inevitable. And while I get wanting options and I want people to be catered to their preference, I also think that, like, at at some point, right, like, things are just going to change. And so I don't know, I guess, how much of a stand I could take in the sense that, like, Yes, it is pushing us more towards a digital future, but I, I, 
I don't know if that is something that I can be angry about when it does in some way feel inevitable, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel bad for the players that only buy a few games a year. Because mm. they, like my friend Grumbong, only buys a couple games a year. He goes physical every time because it's a, a little more special. You know, right. you're, buying, like, you're buying The Last of Us or you're buying Ghost of Tsushima, like one or two, three games a year. You want it to be a, be a box. I think the more games you buy, the, yeah. the more, yeah. like I'm whatever, get digital, physical, doesn't even matter to me anymore. Right. Because it's just like getting games all the time. Right. And I think that is so. such a good point and why my perception of it has changed is as I've gotten more embedded in video games and as I guess money has been less of a concern when it comes to buying games, it's just like, oh, you know, like I just want to be able to buy this and download this so we can stream it immediately or mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to talk about that on <laughs> yep. frame trap tomorrow. I want to be able to play this at 9 PM the night. Like, I, you know, let's save time, not, you yeah, know, waiting on a delivery or going to a store or whatever. And so there's a well, huge convenience factor that I think for ex- this exactly. lifestyle makes sense. I think that's um, the, such an important factor to all this is, as you said, convenience. Absolutely. Right. Uh, but it is fascinating to me where, you know, something that Microsoft got so much shit for was their push towards this more digital online future. Right. And I don't see really any pushback against the option of a PS5 being discless. And it is, you know, fair to bring up that it's an option, right? You still can get uh, a a disc-based PS5. But I guess what I'm just trying to say is, like, it's it's remarkable how much opinion changes in the span of a few years. I also think to keep in mind is the option still exists for both. Yes. Whereas Xbox One was trying to force you Right, it is like not you the same ha- You have no option. This is going to be the way it is. Right, you're out of all. It was a combination. It was a combination of not giving people choice and ahead of its time. It was too soon. The, mm-hmm. It hadn't been yep. proven yet. It was like streaming video too and soon, music was junior. just at that point where it proved just proven itself for a few years. There, games weren't at that point. Now we've seen, as you said, Ben, the convenience. People get the convenience mm-hmm. and like the convenience, and, and 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 it's like everything that comes with games, like art books, music. They all go digital now too. You can like all soundtracks are on Spotify or whatever yeah. digital services. Art books are digital PDFs now, and like you just have your computer, laptop, whatever in front of you. You can open all that stuff up. It's a I gotta go dig through my closet for my whole collection of this art book to look up this thing. Or as you said, swapping games. It comes down to convenience is just con- consistently expanding uh, its appeal. Whereas right. the detractors from this are just at some time they could they could alter the content or they could take it, delist it like th- those are real and I do issues think those are valuable concerns the, the, yeah they are valuable concerns but i think those are uh, those are getting to a point where they're not outweighing the benefits of right. that but as long as there's choice i think though if they if sony said we are going all digital I, I think that while I, there would, there would be much backlash, yeah. there would definitely still be articles yeah. right now about, eh, it might be too soon for that, Sony, maybe you right. should rethink that. Yeah, I think that was very well said um, and articulated, Damiani. Uh, our next email comes in from Paolo. Uh, timed exclusive updates. Timed exclusives are a part of the industry. Timed exclusivity for games, for DLC, it's part for the course. But something recent stuck in my craw, and I'm a salty dog. 
Tetris Effect Connected. It adds 10 new levels and multiplayer to Tetris Effect, coming exclusively to Xbox and the Microsoft Store on PC. The connected content will be a free update to existing owners, PS4 and Epic Games Store, but it won't be until summer 2021. Timed exclusivity for updates? Come on! I guess it can fall under the exclusive DLC category. Is this crazy to anyone else, or is it just me? Uh, I think something uh, that is worth pointing out that's not mentioned in this email is Tetris Effect was exclusive to PS4 for a brief period of time, okay. and now mm. it is getting a timed exclusive expansion update for <laughs> Xbox and Microsoft. Yeah, that's 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 weird. I, I feel like if something started on a system or was first on a system, and especially if it was maybe potentially the large the larger install base. I'm not a fan of this. I, I, I hate this idea. I mean, it might be a necessary evil for some things, but at least do it on the platform that it either originated on or, you know, has the, like, that's where the community is. Fragment, I, 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 yeah, I hate this. I, I don't like this. This is one of the hate dirtier it, things, it. man. Yeah. Yeah. This disgusting. Uh, I completely agree when it comes to updates, for sure. That's super annoying. I condemn it. I but, can, there's something so satisfying uh, about you saying it. that. Yeah. I condemn it. I condemn, I condemn it. it. I condemn it. I condemn this. <laughs> I will say on the on the flip side of just game releases in general, there are so many that I care less and less about when anything comes out because there's always something to play. Hmm. But when it's a game you love and it's a timed update, that is in an entirely different situation, and I condemn it. Right. I think the, the severity depends on your investment, right? Where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'll just wait until the summer. But then there are people that are like, Tetris Effect is my favorite game. Yeah, I have yeah. it on this platform and I've got to wait. I do think that is totally. needlessly frustrating. It's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah especially because you were saying it came out on PS4 first. So if you have it there, right. what the hell? Trying to make us double dip in the shadiest way possible. <laughs> I condemn it. <laughs> I condemn it. Um our next email comes in from Sampo. Uh, Sampo asks multiple questions. I think we're just going to take the first one here. Uh, greetings, allies. What is your swimming in sevens game of the generation? Shout out to Huber. What game that was generally well received but didn't receive unanimously glowing reviews that you absolutely love? For me, Hellblade is one of the most emotional, trippy, thought-provoking, depressing, and enthralling games I've played. I don't even think the game is very fun to play, but it's compelling as hell and incredibly worthwhile experience. What say you? Straight up, days gone. I don't know what was going on when this game came out. Everyone was like, it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Jones was like, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's good. It's fine. I'm pretty sure the Metacritic is like 70-something, unless I'm wrong. I should look it up. But I feel like the reception of Days Gone versus my love for it was the biggest gap in recent memory. Like, I love Days gone to death. I love, 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 love that game. So that's just the first one that popped into my head. Nice. Man. Uh trying to look up some stuff here to jog my memory because I'm very bad at this. I always don't have 71 Metacritic for Days Gone. Really? You nailed your crazy. swimming then. That Damn, is crazy Huber. to me. God, I love that game. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I was trying to see what a what what a Gravity Rush uh, two got, but not coming up for some reason. Maybe my internet is uh, Metacritic. 
Let's see. Uh, gravity rescue. I, I feel like this got to be higher than seven something. No, it's, it's an eight. All right, it's an eight. So it's not my swing in sevens because I would have gone there for sure. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what? I think we can be a little bit loose with it. it counts. If you yeah, want to spend, it was, it was definitely underappreciated. I, sure, I, feel I think like, that's because fair. the yep. team is they're moving on from Gravity Rush. That team has already been repurposed for something else. I believe I don't forget what it is, but they were previously Team Siren. They might even be working on another Siren game or something. I don't know, but that was just like that was a game that I really enjoyed. Uh, I felt like it was an improvement over the original. The original was pretty good to me as well. But I just think the concept, uh, the gravity manipulation stuff might have... I don't know if it didn't click with people. It's a game that doesn't do anything particularly exceptional, I think, other than maybe its art style. Um, and it's in its world, like the presentation of its world, because like the combat, even the gravity stuff isn't perfect. It, it's still janky at some times. And there are points, especially they added like the two different types of gravity, like the the Jupiter and the other one, which is like lighter. So you can go like floaty or super heavy, like impactful jumps. Uh, it didn't really mesh together very well. But I still had such a great time in that world and uh, the the story. I really like the story in that game. I like how it's presented and the environments in that game. Just really good environments. I think people just get a little upset about the lack of activities to do in that game. It's a lot of the quests are just just go here, go here, advance the story, go here, and then go fight in an instance area like a dungeon type environment for for part of the mission. And there wasn't a lot of variety to that but I just wanted another one. I was like, please, can I, like, I felt like they were going somewhere with it, and it could, it, like, it had potential to be something so much more, and it just, it's not going to get that chance. Now, keep fighting that fight. Gravity Rush definitely yeah. deserves more. You are 100% right, Tamiani. Um, My number one, I just refuse to believe, <laughs> like, I disregard the 76 Metacritic is the Evil Within 2. <laughs> so, <laughs> two, so you go. deny like that it's, it's not I deny that it I is can like it. that <laughs> dude the evil within two is one of my all-time favorite video games yeah. ever yeah like this is top three survival horror games for me I'm I'm just so I'm shocked that series didn't blow up more like with with how different one and two are one is just classic old school survival horror two is new school survival horror like I'm I'm sad about it. Like you, you talk about uh, getting a third one, Domino. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you just want DLC. DLC. Anything. So I, I'm actually shocked that this has a 72 on Metacritic, but Earth Defense Force Five. I'm not going to sit here and say that it is amazing. <laughs> But goddamn, uh, we talked about self-awareness, right? And Earth Defense Force yeah. is a series that, at its best, is so self-aware and just, it's so much fun just shooting the limbs off of giant frogs and watching a sea of purple blood fall down. It's fun when you just fight God at the end. Like, it's just <laughs> so <laughs> insane <laughs> and fun and dumb, and I love it to pieces. Uh, of course it has, you know, it looks terrible. <laughs> It doesn't always, you know, run the best, uh, and there there are very fair criticisms of Levy against it. But we're getting more, and that makes me very happy. Swimming, it is, it is swimming. to me the epitome of swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's sick. 
your defense force. Yep. It is the pool that we swim in. (laughs) (laughs) Everything else can just fit inside of it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think that is going to do it uh, for Frame Trap. Thank you to everybody that wrote in. If you would like to send in an email, please email askeasyallies at gmail.com. Uh, one more time, that email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Huge thank you to Michael Huber and Michael Damiani for joining me on this episode. Um, and yeah, if you want to find out more about us, once again, go to patreon.com slash easyallies. Until next time. <laughs>